Previously on Cancelled Too Soon. I drank the Yoohoo and I'm really regretting it now. <laughs> I think I might need the whiskey after all. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Tobiani. I'm a film critic for Crave Online and IGN.com. Everybody calls me Biv. My name is Whitney Seibold, and I drank Yoohoo today. I'm sorry. For the first time in about 20 some years. Okay, now I want to I set the stage here. Mm. Picture it <laughs> California, Picture 1997. <laughs> Whitney, what was, was the last... I was in college in 97. You said 20 years. Oh, I guess so. It, it, it's, it's, we're I guess old. <laughs> it's closer to 30 then. Yeah, okay. it's been a while. Picture it. Yeah. California, 1987. <laughs> Whitney had his first and last drink of Yoohoo until recently. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Uh, it tastes the same. Mm. Uh, it was it was very akin to uh, when I went back in my 20s and revisited SpaghettiOs. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of that great astringent chemical version of cheese. Look, science has had its way with our food. <laughs> and I, for one, am not going back. My, my colon can't take it. I, I, I prefer food in my food. Ah. And uh, there's not a lot of food in something like SpaghettiOs. Well, that's or, one or way to do it. Or Yoohoo. And it's it's like chocolate milk, but like the, the whiny, wussy version of chocolate milk. Like, if, imagine chocolate milk is like the sports star. And... You who is like the wimpy kid that's always like on the on the bleachers, kind of cheering for him because he's yeah. like nothing better to do. Well, how does Kool Aid fit into this? Kool Aid went to went to the Montessori school. Oh, he's, he's not even in the same place. Oh my gosh, well, Kool Aid is in a realm unto itself. Well, how'd you like a, a nice Hawaiian punch? Hawaiian punch is king of them all. Ah, yeah. So you would like a nice Hawaiian punch? Sunny Delight is a bully. Would you like a nice Hawaiian punch? You realize I'm evading this question. I do. That's why I keep asking. Would you like a nice Hawaiian punch? No, thank you. Not right now. I respect that. Okay. <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? Would you kill a man? I I don't know. I've really thought about it before. Has any excuse? I, no jury in the world would convict me. Uh, it's a little late, so we're a little punchy. We're a little this, loopy. This is a, a, a podcast where we do talk about television programs. That's right. And, and we're going to get to it. Uh, we're going to get to it. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic of some note. Yes, some I, renown. I go on podcasts and on the radio and mm-hmm. uh, still looking for a place to publish my work. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're looking for a full-time film critic and you're willing to pay Whitney exorbitant amounts of money... Oh, exorbitantly so. Yeah, uh, get in touch with him. He's on Twitter at Whitney Seibold. Yeah, yeah. Um, meanwhile, I am uh, I'm also going about mm-hmm. strutting my stuff. You may have heard me recently on the This Is Rad podcast. Ooh. Uh, that is a podcast dedicated to various things which are, depending on the guest involved, rad. Very nice. They asked me, hey, Bibbs, what's rad? 
Mm-hmm. And I told them to step up movies. Oh, and they were like, you didn't want to think about that? And I was like, no. <laughs> it's a feature film from 1985 or whenever it came out. No, just all the step up movies. Just, just all of them. Okay. Those, those yeah. are rad. Those are rad. I think mm-hmm. they're all... Oh, you're thinking of the movie Rad. <laughs> took you a second there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't grow up with Rad. Nor I, but I was aware of it. Rad and BMX Bandits were just these two films that everyone around me knew. And I guess it's because I didn't know how to ride a bike. Oh, well, that, that would be it. Yeah, you, so I you, just didn't, you didn't give a crap. You didn't get a BMX dirt bike. Like, you know, that was the coolest bike to have. I didn't know how to, in, like... In 1985. How to, like, uh, only, like, be on, like, my front tire mm-hmm. and bounce on it. Like, that's, like, the only thing they do in the movie Rad. Like, every <laughs> kid in Rad does that. It's hard to do. It's, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's hard to do. And by God, they film mm-hmm. people doing it. So I guess it ain't that hard. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, if you want to hear me talk about uh, the Step Up movies for about two hours, mm-hmm. if you miss the B-Movies podcast, which is <laughs> largely me talking about how much I love the Step Up movies, and Whitney as well, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you can go over to This Is Rad. It's on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher. Uh, and if you're coming to our show from This Is Rad, welcome. Mm-hmm. Usually we talk about old crap. <laughs> but this month, we're only reviewing television series that were canceled this last season. So new crap. Yeah. And this is also uh, our latest uh, Patreon poll. If you subscribe to us That's on Patreon, right. you get to vote for one episode a month. And this month, your options were, once again, APB, which is about a billionaire who bought a police precinct and decided to supercharge it with advanced technology. Mm-hmm. Frequency, which is about a cop who talks to her dead father on a ham radio and solves crimes, I guess. With clues from the past. You'd yeah. think the cop in the future would be able to give clues to the cop in the past. Probably, probably works both ways. All right. Makes sense. Uh, and we'll never know. <laughs> we'll maybe get to it at some point. And uh, your other option was Rush Hour, which was based on the very beloved uh, buddy cop movie, Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, I'm thinking of Theodore Rex. Also, Theodore. the joke is broken in both ways. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Tammy it, the T-Rex. It, it would have been funny if you got it out. But Yeah, yeah Tammy and the T-Rex is a movie in which Denise Richards uh, is dating Paul Walker, and then he's killed because he's mauled by lions, and they put his brain inside an animatronic T-Rex. Right. Uh, Theodore Rex is a cop movie in which Whoopi Goldberg's new partner is a T-Rex. It's an anthropomorphic dinosaur obsessed with cookies. Yeah, and the T-Rex is like human size. It's like seven feet tall. It takes place in this weird alternate universe where it's like Roger Rabbit, but instead of cartoons, it's like animatronic dinosaur But it's like dinosaurs like from the TV show Dinosaurs, so it's not good looking dinosaurs. Yeah, like they don't look like dinosaurs. They look like cartoons. Neither of those were shows you could have voted for. What everyone <laughs> voted for, and actually it was pretty close, but what uh, everyone voted for was a show that we're, uh, we're going to review. It mm-hmm. stars an actor who uh, a lot of people uh, who are fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, love. She's fantastic. And her name is Haley Atwell. Mm-hmm. And upon the completion of the series Agent Carter, which I was a big fan of, mm-hmm. uh, she went on to make a series called Conviction. The director of my citywide Conviction Integrity Unit is also our country's former first daughter. Ladies and gentlemen, Hayes Morrison. You get five days. For each case? You've got a team. The people I pick. Sorry, they're already hired. I pick the cases. Fine. On this first one, give me a happy ending. First, funny story. Last night, I was busted for cocaine possession. Wallace dropped the charges in exchange for me taking this job. Working these pointless cases with you people, that's my prison. A win now, while everyone's watching, means freedom later. Most importantly, freedom for me to consult on the beach in Hawaii while you guys tackle hard cases. What the hell? 
Well... Like you didn't see the paparazzi shots of me in that new beach in Belize? Best way to pop our cherry is to get a good guy out of prison. Give Wallace his happy ending. Prison is full of good-looking black poster boys. Can I help you? That good-looking black poster boy? He's my son. Conviction, it's a, it's a play on words, you see. It's got a double meaning. I don't get it. Uh, because it's about the Conviction Integrity Unit, mm. the CIU. Uh-huh. And they talk about the CTU, which is really confusing for fans of 24, because yeah. CTU is an imaginary thing that mm-hmm. only existed in... 24. They never had uh, a crossover with CSI either. That's a shame. No, or NCIS or mm. SV, SUV, a- NYPD SDU. Blue, um, AIM. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she also has Vulture. It's about people sticking to their convictions. I get it's it. It's a double meaning. Uh, the actual premise of the show is. Uh, Haley, okay. yeah. This is actually a really cool premise. Is it? So sell, sell it. Sell it a little bit. It's essentially... You sell it. I think you're more passionate about this one uh, than I am. It's essentially Chelsea Clinton, <laughs> if she were a coke-addicted bisexual party girl. If. <laughs> I have no inside knowledge, but I, I don't Maybe know her. Maybe she is. But Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, she uh, she's a lost, was a law student, former first daughter, uh, now grown up, now a troublemaker, now caught with drugs... And in order to work off her drug convi- conviction, she is assigned to head up this uh, new elite crack squad of conviction investigators, mm. uh, whose job it is to go through old convictions and see if they're still legit. They're yeah, essentially make look- sure they didn't send anyone to jail unnecessarily. Looking for cracks in the criminal justice system, right? And they have a crack team. There's an investigator guy, and there's a the the guy who's bitter because he was going to head up the unit, but then Haley Atwell took his spot at the last minute. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the ex cop, the, yeah, the old the old grizzled old ex cop who's yeah. also an ex drug addict. Yeah, there's the CSI detective type guy who learned all of his CSI type stuff in jail, uh-huh. like he's an ex con. And there's the uh, plucky young one who has a sordid past. We'll talk about those all those right. characters in a little bit. But basically the idea is um, you know, any movie, any TV show you saw where someone's like trying to get someone mm. off death row or out of a murder charge after it's too late and we have to race through all of the mm. uh, the evidence and everything and there's a race against time. That's every episode. That's every episode. Because uh, in 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 true uh in, in what is actually kind of a, a clever conceit to make sure the show is just really just steams along. Each episode, they only have five days to clear the case. I have I take issue with this. Now, it's it's an artificial deadline. It's an enormously artificial yeah. deadline because there's only lo- one instance these... in which five days is actually important because someone's actually going to die. Right, but uh, yeah, there's there's like no real race against time other than the, sort of this timer they've set for themselves. Yeah. Uh, like the they, you, you've been and... wrongfully convicted for murder. We're sure mm. of it, when we only have five days to prove it. Mm. What if you need one extra day? We only have five days. We will give up on you. <laughs> we will turn into pumpkins if we try one day more. Uh, they said it doesn't they, make any sense. I think they said in the pilot. And I, I, I was a little bit hazy on the rule, mm-hmm. but uh, Hayes Morrisony, Hayes Morrisonish, uh, that there was actually they needed to prove that the CIU was like efficient enough, right? So they had to get through a certain number of cases over like the course of a year. So they figured we could, if we do like one every five days, then that that'll work out See, for us. I appreciate that. One of the things that that they deal with in the show is you know it's like it's a case of the week. We haven't actually done a lot of procedurals and canceled too soon. Yeah, they're very episodic in nature. There's characters that we follow over and over again. They all respond emotionally to whatever the case of the week is. Mm. And in an effort to 
keep these done in one cases, make them feel relevant. Hayes Morrison, the character Haley Atwell plays, mm. she typically picks them for some reason that has sure. to do with her character. She wants to stick or, it to the man this week, or earlier someone accused her of being privileged. So we're mm. gonna fight for the least privileged person we can possibly right, find. Right, right. Yeah, which is basically, uh, if you end up getting out of jail, it's because this rich woman who, when she's arrested with drugs, gets a sweet job. Mm. That's like the most important job in New York. Um, It's if she can benefit emotionally from mm. you being uh, acquitted, then you might get acquitted. Mm. And and she learns to be a li- like a tiny bit less selfish at the end of every episode. Eh, does she, though? I mean, look, this, this, this is, this is a procedural. It's an episodic show. Everything has to return to kind of status quo at the end. It does. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of okay that she learns a little bit of a lesson, but not something so earth shattering that her character would fundamentally change. This is, that's the, this is the Mm. trick, honestly, with this kind of show. I think Mm. my favorite version of this particular show is actually House M.D., Oh, there you with, yeah. uh, with you, Laurie. This actually show. reminded me a lot of House. Yeah, House MD is a great show. It's mm. all about medical mysteries. It's the medical Sherlock Holmes. They're mm. very open about it. Um, but the thing with House is that he's a misanthrope. His mm. character is set in stone, and his character is such that people always respond to him antagonistically. Mm. Because if you have any self-respect, you would, so he because has, he's an asshole. And he has to constantly prove himself episode after episode. No, Absolutely. But here's they, the thing. They he wrote. learns <laughs> he learns lessons, but then he also learns that he's right about everything all the time. Mm. So this it's this system where he's right about all the medical stuff, but he's wrong about human nature sometimes. Mm. And so they're able to keep him at status quo. They're able to keep him as a persnickety a-hole. Mm. And not actually mess with the function of the show. No, the problem, no. One of the problems I have with Conviction is that Haley Atwell's character, from in the pilot, mm. undergoes a complete character journey mm. and becomes a better person. And as a result, you've already started neutralizing that. And so much of her subplots throughout the entire first season, the only season that they had, mm. um, is her growing significantly as a person, as opposed to occasionally getting pushed all the way backward or discovering that her worst impulses were still valuable and right. And I think they were a little afraid to be that, um, that cynical. And I think Uh, that, I think that damages the show's capacity to build over time. I I think what they were going for on paper kind of got a little muddled, especially with the casting of Haley Atwell. Mm. I don't think she's right for this role at Mm. all. I think she's really, really miscast. She's a fine actress. She's Mm -hmm. lovely, lovely to look at. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate sort of a little bit of, the the humor and the and the the sort of spunk she tried to bring to the part a little bit of energy mm. but you need somebody who can be really kind of mean you need someone who and, isn't who's isn't afraid to be unlikable and yeah. i'm not saying Haley atwell is afraid to be unlikable mm. what i'm saying is i'm not entirely she, sure she can be she's too likable a screen presence yeah to she's be in a, so awesome. you, you know what you do you take katherine heigl's character from doubt mm. and you just put her right in here i think katherine heigl could have really bitten bitten into a role like this and i think she would have been fine for it would, would, would Haley atwell have worked better in uh, in doubt and and then we just would have fixed both shows by just switching them up? Maybe so. I think they would have had to rejigger Doubt a little bit. I think both shows are actually kind of eerily similar in a lot of ways, mm. and not just because one of the protagonists is a guy who learned about the law in prison yeah. and is now trying oh. to prove himself, turn off your Sorry. goddamn phone That's every phone. time lately. <laughs> Whitney, I swear to God, take it, finish your drink every time Whitney's phone goes off. Um, 
but it gets also another one where the case of the week mm-hmm. is often trying to hit on a very to- hot button topical issue, which, and which often is, which is very common amongst a lot of procedural shows. Agreed, and I think in both doubt and even more so in the case of conviction, mm-hmm. when they airball that is death. <laughs> there are some real bad examples here, but let's let's get through some of the nitty gritty, shall mm-hmm. we? For people who are uh, filling out their note cards. Uh, Conviction aired on ABC from October 3rd, 2016 through January 29th, 2017. It was created by, and I I wonder if this is a coincidence. Liz Fried and Liz Fried. Yeah, Liz Friedman and Liz Friedlander. (laughs) Uh, Liz Friedman worked on such shows as Jessica Jones Elementary, House, Xena Warrior Princess, and a show I really want to get to at some point, Young Hercules, with Ryan Gosling as Young Hercules. Less than one season, but the season was like 40 episodes. Oh, jeez. Awesome. So we're we're totally going to do that someday. Um, And Liz Friedlander uh, directed a lot of music videos. She directed that Antonio Banderas dance movie, Take the Lead. Uh, she directed some episodes of The Following, and a lot of cast members from The Following ended up on this show. Okay. She directed a lot of 90210, the, the reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she directed the Cancel Too Soon series The Secret Circle and Stalker, both of which we plan to get to at some point. Um, again, Haley Atwell plays Hayes Morrison, the Chelsea Clinton mm-hmm. by way of... Uh, Kesha? By way of I don't know. Like Lindsay what, Lohan. Exactly, or, yeah. Lindsay Lohan's a good way of putting it. Yeah, there you go. I meant no disrespect to Kesha. I love Kesha. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan is a much more accurate. But yeah, you know her from Captain America, the first Avenger, Agent Carter. She was in that uh, AMC miniseries remake of The Prisoner. That's her. Oh, golly, that was terrible. I did not see it. Mm. Um, her boss and former lover mm. and soon to be again lover, mm. Connor Wallace. Uh, he's played by Eddie Cahill. Uh, you may remember like, from like the, the dilfiest dilf, whoever dilf the dilf. What is a dilf? Well, you know what a MILF is, well, right? Dad, I'd like the... F- is yeah. he a father? No, but he's got that look. I can see that. That, that sort of handsome, stubby, That's why silver I was fox confused. guy. Okay, yeah. he is a silver fox. Yeah. Uh, he was on Friends. He was in the movie Miracle. He was in CSI New York, Under the Dome. And he was in the Cancel Too Soon series, Glory Days and Haunted. Uh, the l- younger, hotshot lawyer who was supposed to head up Mm. The uh, Conviction Integrity Unit, but whose job got taken over by Hayes Morrison because she did coke. Um, <laughs> I, I still take issue with that subplot. Uh, it's played by Sean Ashmore, who played Iceman in the X-Men movies. Mm. He was in The Following, The Ruins, Animorphs. I, I recognized him from X-Men. He was in a Cancel Too Soon series I need to track down called In a Heartbeat, which is about teenagers who are also EMTs. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Doesn't that sound great? I want to see that. TV's great. Oh my McClellan God. was a fool. <laughs> uh, Maxine Bowen, the ex-cop who is also uh, f- uh, formerly addicted to painkillers, mm-hmm. uh, is played by Marin Dungy or Dungy. I'm actually not sure I pronounce her name. I think it's Dungy. Okay, she's from Big Little Lies. She played <laughs> Ursula in Once Upon a Time. She was on The King of Queens, and she was in the Cancel Too Soon series Party Girl, based on the Parker Posey movie. Because that was such a big hit. Such a big hit. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tess Larson is the young uh, girl who's very obsessed with uh, the criminals, serial killers. She, in her previous, uh, before she was a lawyer, she had testified against someone who had killed her aunt. And it turns mm. out she testified against the wrong guy and she feels really guilty about it. Yeah, she's that, by, that's, that's, that's her, kind of her subplot. It's it her comes, whole subplot. comes up in like three or four episodes. Uh, she's played by Emily Kinney from The Walking Dead. She also plays a villain on Arrow and the Flash called Brie Larvin, a.k.a. the Bug-Eyed Bandit. Brie Larvin, the bug-eyed bandit. She controls robot bees. It's gotta be like a joke character, right? No, 
take it as seriously as anything else. <laughs> seriously, as you can take the they green psychic arrow. gorillas. They yeah, yeah, go so. for it. Uh, Frankie <clears throat> Cruz is the uh, for ex-con who is also a CSI expert. Uh, he's played by Manny Montana from Rosewood, Graceland, and uh, did a couple episodes of The Chicago Code, which I mm. intend to get to at some point because I really well, like. I'm that sure show. His, his name is like Manuel Montana, but it, yeah. Manny Montana sounds like sounds like a Tiny Toons character. There you go. Uh, Jackson Morrison, Hayes' brother, is played by the great Daniel Franzesi. Uh, he is from the TV series Looking, which I loved. Uh, he was on. He was in Mean Girls, and he was on the Cancel the Student series Recovery Road. Uh, yeah, we uh, and we haven't talked about his character yet. He's like no. the, he's the the kind of the confidant, the only one that uh, Hayes can really confide in. Yeah, he's, I, he's I wish a, they had him and no Wallace. Uh, he's for, so quite frankly, great. but yeah, he's he was great. He's a real scene stealer on that show. Looking, and here mm. he plays uh, the he's the family publicist. Mm. Um, he's also gay, uh, so he's not trotted out in public as like a figurehead the way that Hayes is, mm. and he's a bit resentful about that. But he does his job for the family. And there's one there's one episode where he dances and he dances great. He's a good dancer. Well done indeed. <laughs> and a couple other smaller roles. Uh, Hayes's mom Harper Morrison is played by Bess Armstrong uh, from My So Called Life. She was the mom. Uh, she was also on a Cancel Too Soon series that I love. I haven't seen, uh-huh. but when I looked it up, it had the best uh, description on IMDb I think is I've it- ever seen. Is it is it better than liked, which we looked up tonight? Uh, no, that's pretty good. But this is this is succinct. Okay, and it it's, it tells you everything and it tells you nothing, and I love it. Mm. The television series uh, was from two thousand and two. It was called That Was Then. Mm. the The description of the series on IMDb is, is it That Was Then ellipsis. No, just That okay. Was Then. All right. The description on IMDb reads: This is all of it. It talks about what was then. <laughs> what does that was then that was then that was then it talks about what was then it, it talks about what, what what is the it that's doing the talking uh is it that it, it like the killer clown from the movie no that was then that oh that was then talks about what was then what what oh <laughs> and and who wait who's playing second uh the, i guess it's uh bess armstrong from uh, <laughs> that was then and conviction she was also in jaws 3d um, President Ted Morrison, who only pops up in one episode, mm. ex-president, uh, is played by Martin Donovan. Of course, the, Martin Donovan. Yeah, from the opposite of sex, mm. weeds, the dead zone. We're going to run into him a lot, because he was in Wonderland, mm. Pasadena, Unnatural History, The Firm, <laughs> The Lottery. A lot of Martin Donovan in our future. M- Martin Donovan is quite a good actor, and he, yeah. and he gets a bum rap, and he never quite hit it as big as I think he ought to have. I think that's fair. Mm. So in the pilot episode, uh, Conviction, it begins really, really quick. They're trying to set up as fast as possible, and there's a lot of fast talking. Yeah. This is the sort of and, thing... And not, I, and not too much flashbacking, which I appreciate. I appreciate that, too. Um, there's a couple of flashbacky episodes, mm. and indeed, since most, uh, almost all of the crimes were committed years ago that they're investigating, there's a lot of flashbacks there, but for the characters... Pretty straightforward, yeah, very yeah. much in the moment. Uh, we're introduced to Hayes Morrison. She is in jail. Again, they found coke in her purse. Um, and she is dancing. Why? Mm. Because it's unexpected. Because, <laughs> oh, she's in jail and she's dancing. She mm. doesn't give no fucks. She, what a great character. We're going to see a lot of her. Well, she, she's... Uh... 
not just a bad girl. She kind of is proud of the fact that she's kind of a bad girl because she's mm. used her entire life to sort of thumb her nose at her debutante status. Exactly. Mm. Uh, she doesn't like being in the spotlight, but she will take advantage of it. Mm. And uh, in the beginning, she's again, she's arrested for cocaine possession. And Wallace shows up and says, uh, I will drop all charges. He's like district attorney of New York. Mm. I will drop all charges for the cocaine in, in on one condition that you take on this extremely important, presumably high paying job uh, in charge of our conviction integrity unit. Mm. And she says, Oh, I got well, the, I yeah. got the impression that it was, she was doing a pro bono. Is she? Cause yeah, well she, she's kicked out of her apartment at one point and goes to live in the office. Like she doesn't have a place. She can just sort of drop a bunch of cash. Oh, on. I thought that was just because she was a crazy, she was a free spirit. Who don't give no fucks. Oh, I thought it because she was broke ass and she didn't, she didn't have no money. She spent she, all her money on those lovely... She could write a memoir. She could be swimming in money. Those fancy shoes she's always wearing. Well, may have. She can sell the shoes. I suppose so. Yeah, those are good shoes, I think. <laughs> I don't know, actually. There were Christian Louboutins, and those are rather expensive shoes. All right, well, there you go. Uh, so in the first episode, uh, she is told that she can pick her own cases, provided that in the first, that the first case, mm. they solve. And yeah. they, they, it makes them look good. They need to, uh, they need to get off on a good note. So the pressure's on them to pick the right case. And she picks a case of a f- high school football player mm-hmm. um, whom uh, Hayes specifically describes as a good-looking black poster boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in jail for murdering his girlfriend, but it turns out uh, that he didn't do that. Yeah, and so they have to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, so we have our... Uh, this is very much like a CSI now. So because we, yeah. ha- we have different people who have different roles and we only ever see them doing like their roles. Mostly, which, yeah. Which is fine. So we have uh, the, the um, guy who's like working on the science of the case and is trying yeah. to crack all of the sort of nitty gritty of mm. could someone have been there? And they're like he he and uh, oh, who's who's the young hotshot character's name? <laughs> uh, you mean that you're, you're talking about the, the, the girl, Tess Larson? Tess. Yeah, yeah. Frankie and Tess. Frank- Frankie's a CSI guy. Mm. Tess is the young a uh, uh, new girl who's very much obsessed with this and very driven. Uh, a lot of their plots involve those two in particular mm. testing out different scientific theories, trying to hit people, like trying to hit dummies on the head in just the right way, mm. seeing if bodies will decompose at the right which, rate, which is, and recreating crimes and seeing if they can be done within a certain time frame. Which is exactly what happens on CSI. Like mm-hmm. there, there's yeah. sub- entire subplots on C- on all the CSIs where the CSI guys just do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we have uh, Maxine. Maxine, the cop, is like sort mm-hmm. of asking questions and grilling people and trying to figure out sort of like their motivations. And look, mm-hmm. she's well, the one she, who kind of looks for motive a lot well, of the time. She's also responsible uh, for being their go-between with all the people who investigated the case originally, and none of them are happy about this because this was a solved case. Mm. These people were guilty. We put that in the in in the black. That's not in the red. We we crossed that off the board, and now you want to open it again. Mm. And you're calling our police work into question. Are you accusing us of being corrupt? And sure enough, in this episode, uh, the cop who took a bunch of testimony ended up uh, uh, just just lighting it all on fire in front of them. <laughs> just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, wouldn't it be a shame if uh, someone looked at these fire? Oh no! Boom! Flume! Flamey! <laughs> You didn't say it that way. But. Boom, flume, flamey is my new catchphrase here on Cancel Too Soon. The t- t-shirt's coming next week. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it turns out uh, uh, the kid didn't do it. Mm. And this episode, 
as with almost every episode, in fact, I think maybe every episode, mm. ends with a a scene of the person they were trying to unconvict, acquit, mm. I guess is the right uh, word. Unconvict, acquit, yes. <laughs> yeah, unconviction. Uh, w- walking out of jail, mm-hmm. often there are reporters, usually there's family. Mm. And big the, sweeping music. The, then they're finally free. Yeah, and, and that's that great. And that's really dramatic. And it is indeed, you know, there's there's always someone's life on the line mm. uh, when this happens. But one of the problems with this show is if you're if it's a show like CSI, for example, um, if they either catch the person who did it or that person goes free, mm. here they either find out they were innocent. Or they find out they're supposed to be in jail and they're already there. Yeah. And they try in every episode, uh, like every other episode, there's like some sort of wrinkle. Uh-huh. They should be in jail, but maybe not for this. Yeah, you well, know, the, like they, that kind of thing. They, they but, shake it up a little bit, but it's it's the Law and Order ending. What, mm-hmm. what can happen at the end of an episode of Law and Order? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're guilty and they go to prison. They're innocent and they go to prison. They never, they, they never don't go to prison? They're guilty and they go free. They're innocent and they go free. Right. Those, those are the only endings you but can But with really conviction, have. part of uh-huh. that has already happened. Yeah. They're either so, guilty and they're already there, or they're innocent and they go free. Usually they're going to go free. Well, and the the question that arises is, if they're innocent, who done it? And it becomes kind of an investigative show that way, because in order to prove innocence, they actually have to find somebody else culpable, and they have to right. prove that to somebody. So, But then, but then we run into the problem still, again. There's still of the, the only like four endings you can possibly have right. here, so but, it's just sort of the path on how but they But again, get then we run endings. into the problem with the artifice of it. Mm. So either they're guilty and they belong in jail, or they're innocent and we free them in five days, or they're innocent and we run out of time and we decide to drop the case and leave this innocent person in jail? No! We're going to free them or we're going to figure some shit out or we're going to do some goddamn overtime rather, or we're monsters. It's, rather, the show's writing itself into this weird little corner. Rather conveniently, five days is all they need anytime. Almost anytime. <laughs> exactly yeah, never, five days is just the It's right never just like, oh, five more minutes and we would have been fine. Oh, well, lunch. Well, except in one case, in one episode. Mm. It was kind of an issue, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so in the second episode, here's where we start running into problems. Because I think the first episode... Well, it just set everything up. It set everything up. It has a lot of work to do. You have to introduce all the characters. You have to introduce the concept. The concept is a little contrived. You have to sell it. And you also have to be a mystery. And the mystery is a little straightforward, all mm-hmm. things considered. Turns out he didn't have time to kill her and the body was found. Uh, the, the the woman died a little later than they thought, so he had an alibi all along. Mm-hmm. Um Bob's your uncle. Pretty straightforward. Mm. The second one, they're starting to get topical, and I, they already screw it up the first time. Because this one, second this, episode, is called Bridge and Tunnel Vision. And it is about the Central Park Five, but now they're white dudes. And yeah. race is not a factor. And <laughs> fuck you. Well, it, it is, but no, because it is their, their victim is black. Their victim is black, but it's in a different situation, though, because mm. they're not being railroaded because they're black. No. The Central Park Five, you know, when, mm. when Donald Trump was saying we need to execute the Central Park Five, it wasn't because they were white. <laughs> well, uh, there, was, fair, there was yes. a racial component here that they've managed to suck out. So they managed to do the, the Central Park Five without talking about race well, in any meaningful way. There is a later episode where they do talk about race. Yes. This is not but when the you're race doing episode. The cent- but when you're doing the Central Park Five well, episode, it's a weird thing to leave out. They don't ever say Central Park Five. It's simply evocative. I see this on Law and Order mm-hmm. all the time. But they, they call them the pro- Prospect 3, there was a violent crime, that a, a, a rape and an assault that happened in Central Park. Okay? This, they're not being subtle about it. You're right. You're they're right. just making it white dudes. Mm. I don't know why that's okay. <laughs> um, 
And it turns out that uh, she was the victim was she's alive. Mm. She was hit in the head, and she doesn't have very good memories of the incident. And it turns out that the uh, sexual contact she had that apparently no one actually raped her. Mm. She actually had consensual sex before, and then she was assaulted. Mm. And then yeah, and then it turns out only one of the people who'd been arrested that whole time did it. Yeah. That's then. That's basically that's, that's that. Ba- basic, basic mystery. Yeah, the, these, these, these are all very basic mysteries. Yeah, these aren't complicated. We're gonna burn through like the plot of this actually pretty yeah. quick. Uh, the next episode, and we're gonna run into a few problems here as well. Okay. The next episode is called "Dropping Bombs," mm. and it is about a bombing at a mosque. Mm. And uh, there is a white supremacist who has been in jail for it. And his argument was, well, "I didn't bomb that mosque. I was planning on a." bigger explosion somewhere else so this man is like an insane horrible maniac who probably should be in prison but But not for this crime not for this crime so hence conviction integrity dictates that they have to look into this case again Hayes Morrison is so hell-bent on choosing like the most controversial cases that she goes after this guy's like Mm -hmm. well maybe he's innocent well what if there's some merit to what he's saying this guy's a maniac he should be off the streets anyway but there's a lot of there's a lot of irresponsible um Mm. because if you're going to talk about social issues Mm. there's a responsibility I think a show like Conviction or CSI or Law and Order or any show that tries to do this Mm. has to do so somewhat fairly now you're going to show that people are are killers uh uh Bad people on mm. in, in, from all walks of life. I can appreciate that, but when a character who's um, who's says something like, um, you know, uses, Islam, Islam is a, is a is a, a blight on he, a, he the uses world. All, and, all of that rhetoric yeah. that but started he, to come up during. But the he Bush also equates yeah. ISIS to 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 Islam, and that's not. They're actually anti. Mm. They're blowing up so, all of those. All of those religious mm. landmarks, and it's so, like, so it's, he's also stupid. He's also stupid, but no one calls him on it. Yeah, that's never an issue when they're talking about how he's a bad person. They never talk about some of the important things that the the show just sort of lets lie there. Mm. So if you're watching the show and you come from that the, the place of that guy's rhetoric, you're not being challenged on it. You're just saying, "Well, this guy committed a crime." Oh, it's not. It's not even. They don't even challenge th- the rhetoric because that was irresponsible. Oh, okay. I, th- I think the the showrunners probably thought that that rhetoric was so insane that they didn't bother to challenge it. They just let him be a bad guy. There's a lot of people who watch. Mm. This is generic television. This yeah, is not yeah. fringe niche television. This is this is, this is right right up the middle. This yeah. is this is this is watch it while you eat dinner. Uh, Don't question it. Just suck it down the brain along with your with, the SV, your, with SVU and whatever version of yeah, CSI and, you and like whatever yeah. and whatever pasta dish you made tonight. Like that's <laughs> it. So I think it's I think there's a certain responsibility that they have to handle these issues with a bit more delicacy. Mm. And an episode like this, which I, I don't think handles the rhetoric very well and ultimately says ah but it turns out the muslim woman bombed the muslim office <laughs> because she didn't like her husband cheating on her i don't think we've learned a valuable lesson here i think you've touched upon some really important topics and then you copped out and you oh, just I tried think- to make it like about like some usual lover spat mm-hmm. and you completely ignored that you're making a statement right now whether you mean to or not, I think you mean to. I think, I think the about show, these sort of issues. Well, the, the show with conviction and as with Law and Order, a lot of people have said about. Uh, I bring up Law and Order a lot because this is just really resembles it. Oh, it's, but, this, uh, Law and Order is the framework. For yeah. The show. So, 
in Law and Order, you know, a lot of people have complained that it's difficult to get into it because it's it's not very character driven. Law and Order isn't yeah. about the cops and lawyers. In fact, they're interchangeable. You can mostly go, watch them in any order. They go through cops and lawyers. You know, by I think by the end of the series, there was maybe one common cast member. It's, you know, they're, they're the menudo of crime TV, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> that's a music joke no one will get. And uh, so I, I think the larger statement with something like Law and Order is that the main character is actually the criminal justice system itself. Right. And kind of the way it works, the way the law and the order kind of play off of each other, the way the cops and the lawyers interact. Right. The life of a case. And I think that's sort of what they were going for in Conviction. But I don't think they worked so when, in when context, they though. when they tried to sort of point out that this is a terrible man who's deal, you know, spewing out this poisonous rhetoric... Mm-hmm. The criminal justice system demands he gets a fair trial anyway, mm-hmm. and even if we hate him, we still have to abide by the integrity part. Okay, yes, the, all of that's there, but the problem is is that mm-hmm. the framework of the show uh, is basically, not only is this a case that we're, that we're looking into, and it mm-hmm. turns out uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, we the right... The right person wasn't put in jail. We have to look at all these ethical issues. But a lot of it is so focused on Hayes Morrison, where the whole idea is, the whole idea is, okay, there's all of this stuff. There was a bombing. People died. The wrong person was put in jail. He's a terrible person. How does this affect Hayes Morrison? Mm. That framework, that context kind of trivializes the broader issues. This is not a show about the justice system. This is a show about this character it's, in the justice system and everything that she does. Mm-hmm. She never like she almost never catches a case and it doesn't matter what it is. She gets to choose almost all the cases that she gets. Mm-hmm. And she chooses them based on her own ego and pride. Now you can do something with that. And you can make it about the way that this sort of um privileged upper class, and we're gonna talk about that in, in a future episode, thank God, mm-hmm. um, is sort of using everyone else in America is their plaything mm. for their own amusement. Uh, but the show often doesn't. And it expects us to really, really care about whether or not she's going to fuck Wallace again. And I don't. The, the romantic subplot was a big misstep. And yeah. I, I admit to that. And in fact, I think we focused a little bit too much on her own soap opera stuff. And in fact, just like Doubt or Pitch or any of these recent shows we've been talking about, when you get to the inner lives of the characters, the shows become really boring. Uh, because, because the characters don't have enough plot to, well, to to make them fully fleshed out, so it's always like one little thing that happens to relate to the episode. If it's one little thing, I don't even mind. Like if it's a, a supporting character who has like a few scenes where they get to explore one tiny subplot, that's fine because it's a subplot. Mm. Uh, I think these shows are a little too eager to get to the good stuff. Remember, like, in season six of your favorite show, when one of the main characters, like, really violated their principles in some big dramatic way. Sure. You were living with that character for five years already, so that meant something. Right. These shows all want that to happen in season one. Yeah. They want all of the big moments to happen immediately when you don't care about them yet. And they assume by having these big moments, you're going to care about them, and you don't really yet. So the whole notion of trying to center a lot of the show around the Morrison character... A, a little bit of a misstep. We spent too much time with her. Even though in order to... If you're going to do that, you have to make her more interesting. You can't mm-hmm. just sort of have her do the usual, I want to sleep with Wallace, there's my ex-girlfriend, oh, she's also dating Wallace, kind of subplots that have nothing to do with the case. It's okay that it's all ego-driven, but here's how you fix the show. Mm. You put Hayes Morrison 
in the room with the desk. You take Wallace out of the show. She's the one who's thumbing through something and says, hey, I have this wild hair. You work on this case, my team. And they go off mm. and they work on the case. And she stays in that room. So you're saying she should be Charlie and not one of the angels. Yes. Okay. Or if she's going to be one of the angels, she only shows up to like sort of aid or say something kind of or pull some clout because she is a, a former first daughter. Mm. She's a famous person, which I don't think they deal with enough. Like she goes to people's houses and say, hey, I'm Hayes Morrison. There's a couple of we times. Know and frankly, who you were. There's a couple of times. And frankly, I found it. And, and my wife, when I were watching it, and she was just like, fucking really? <laughs> There's a couple of times where in an effort to convince someone to do something they don't want to do, yeah. Hayes offers to like show them her breasts. Oh. And she figures, whatever, they saw me in those nude pictures in a in a tabloid magazine anyway. Uh, mm. And one time it works, <laughs> another time it doesn't, mm. and she's sort of, like, vaguely offended. And it's really fucking annoying that this woman who has a law degree, who grew up in the political system, mm. is reduced to that so much. Like, she's willing well, to reduce herself to that. I don't, care if she's she's... To, I don't care if she's trying to exploit mm. what other people want from her in order to get the job done that's bullshit i think that's a bullshit well, thing to do what, what, what they did is she, that was never like sort of a last resort for her she didn't try other tactics first this yeah. is what it says about sort of her the bad girl persona that's what she thought of first it's like uh-huh. i'm not gonna do that how about if i show you my book you know what there's the, <laughs> hang hang back on that one let's try right. some other tactics and that's first. that's not a great hero on which to hang your story so she's, i feel like I feel, but that's my problem she's not it's she's fine. not she's not though She's starts off rather low, but even mm. she doesn't start uh, like rock bottom or anything and work her way up. Mm. She never learns anything. She never learns. She, she does. No, there's she, a speech about it later on in the show. It's a speech. Who gives a shit? I'm looking at her <laughs> actions. Her actions show that she doesn't really mm. learn anything, but the story adds keeps pretending that she does. Mm. She's not like she doesn't have to change because she's never really punished for any negative behavior the most we get for her being sort of punished for something is actually in the next episode mm-hmm. um the story that she uh got a sweetheart deal that she got a job out of a potential drug conviction as opposed to being Prison, tried yeah. because which which what she should do uh has gotten out and sh- she and the whole counter uh, uh the whole conviction integrity unit look real bad mm. um so while she's working on a case about a mother who was convicted of killing her um her autistic son yeah her autistic yeah. son who was prone to violent outbursts and there was nothing mm. she could do um like, so, the, so like, like, most, like like the son would beat her up you know, yeah there's like a teenage bad, son yeah. like he's a big guy um, she's convicted of killing him. So while she's doing that case, she also has to do like a big 60 minutes interview where she mm. literally clutches her pearls mm. and tries to make nice for her family, for her brother, for the conviction integrity unit. And she ends up breaking in the middle of it, breaking character and just says, fuck it. Yeah, I'm privileged. Yeah, that's it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit that I have this job, mm. but I do have this job and I'm going to extend my privilege to people who desperately need it. Which sounds real nice when you're at the top of the food chain. But regardless, it's like the circle of life. Like, oh yeah, no, say we eat antelopes. But then when antelopes die of any cause, they just become grass. And then we eat the grass. And then they eat the grass. Or when we die, we become grass. That's right. That's how it works. What are you you saying here? The Lion King. (laughs) The circle of life. Here's the speech. I totally fucked it up. We eat antelopes. Sucks for the antelope, right? I, I but here's the deal. Whenever we die, when, well, they're lions. It's a lion king. Oh, we're lions now? Yeah, we're lions. Oh, okay. Pay attention. I, I wasn't sure where you were putting we're the, lions. the scenario. Okay, we're lions. We're the in lions the lion in the scenario. And the big circle of life speech in the lion king. All right. I I, I haven't seen the circle of life speech in the lion king. So You've I, never seen the lion king? No. 
Fuck you! Uh, I, I was out of the country when it came out. All right. In The Lion King, there's a big speech. Yeah. Mufasa, played by James Earl Jones, right. has to Simba. Mm. And he explains why it's okay for us to eat antelope. Yeah, even and, though they can talk and think like yeah. everybody else in this universe. But we eat antelope because... Mm. Uh, it, and that's okay. Mm. Because uh, even though we eat them, when we die of natural causes... Mm. We become grass, and they and, they, and then they eat grass. I see, and that makes that's great if you're a fucking lion. How much how much lion corpse grass can can how many gazelle can that feed? Yeah, exactly. That is some <laughs> fucked up, stupid bullshit, right? And how many gazelle did you eat to that's make a, that grass? That's so. a great. That is a great, great, great philosophy to have. When you're at the top of the food chain. Mm. When you're at the bottom, it means fuck all. Couldn't they just make the antelope, like, dumb beasts in that universe just to make... Some, some species has got to be food, right? I interviewed the directors of Zootopia. And I yeah, asked what, them what do they eat? I asked the question, because the whole thing is... Okay, so we have predators, mm. and we have, we have carnivores and herbivores, and they're living in peace simultaneously, side by side. Great. The carnivores have to eat meat. Who are they eating? And they said, Bugs. Bugs don't have... I believe their exact words were bugs get it in this universe. (laughs) (laughs) It's not good to be a bug. (laughs) All the carnivores eat bugs. Unless they're the bugs from A Bug's Life. You should show A Bug's Life and Zootopia back to back. (laughs) Really rattle your child. I like that a lot. (laughs) What are they eating? They're eating flick. Oh, God! (laughs) What are they eating? They're eating that Woody Allen ant from Ants. That's okay. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all those characters from Ants. Anyway, uh, the end of episode four, Mother's Little Burden. Mm. Uh, it turns out that the mother, Mother's played by Terry Polo from uh, mm. the uh, uh, Ben Stiller, Meet the Parents movies. Yeah. Uh, actress I quite like it. She gets to really extend her range a bit here. Um, she turns out that her daughter did it because she saw the mm. what, a, what a blight on the family. You know mm-hmm. how difficult it was to have a family in this well, and, situation, and it, and it looked like somebody else had done it. So they well, it looked like the husband had done it because yeah, he was having an chasing affair. a lot of these other trails. So yeah, yeah. And it t- turns back around yeah. to the daughter, and Terry Polo decides mm-hmm. that uh, she's just going to take the fall for mm-hmm. her daughter, so her daughter can have a life. And the two people in, like in charge of the conviction integrity unit mm-hmm. see this and yeah. say, "That's fine." <laughs> No, they say. They actually say, "Hey, wait, that's kind of that's a little left up." And they say, "Well, you know what? We we can't do anything." Oh, we forgot because she uh, confessed. She confessed anyway. We forgot uh, a big uh, plot point at the end of the bombing episode, which mm-hmm. is um, okay. So it turns out that the imam's wife was responsible for the crime. Yeah. So we have to let this horrible white supremacist terrorist go. Uh, but John Ashmore's character realizes mm-hmm. you can't do that, and so he tells. Other criminals in prison that the white supremacist is getting let out for being a snitch, and the white supremacist has to stab someone to, in self defense to protect himself, and now he's back, still back in jail. Good, that's a good, and it's worth bringing up because that character will come back. That, that's yeah. important later. Yeah. Okay, the episode five, the one percent solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, Hayes is on the outs with her brother for fucking up that interview. Um. And uh, oh, this is also the one. This is the one percenter episode. Oh, yeah. This is the one where uh, a a rich woman is stabbed to death. They think it's from by the gardener, I believe. Some, yeah, some like yeah, some yeah. like cons- one of one of the help, one of the contractors who's yeah. working on the they, house. He has he has a pair of boots that matches like bloodstains. Yeah. But it turns out, mm-hmm. uh, uh, wouldn't you know it? It was her son, and he was having an affair with the gardener, and they killed her together mm. for love. And I'm like, great. So now. 
gay people. Gay people are who we're looking at. We're doing a lot of equal opportunity. Hayes is bisexual. She talk bandies openly with her ex girlfriend. Yeah, but there's it's weird though how they play this. There's a later episode mm-hmm. in which um, a guy is in jail for supposedly killing his wife, but it turns out they had had an open relationship because he was bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot so of bisexuals they, on this show. It's great. Yeah, but what they they automatically assume is that they run through all of his former gay lovers, assuming they must be the real killer. And I'm like, dude, how many? How many you, lovers did this guy have? I love, well, okay, well, could be quite a lot. I realize <laughs> that, but like, we're just assuming mm. gay guy probably did it. And I'm like, dudes, come on! <laughs> it's probably not true. Moving on. Uh, let's yeah, see. Gay people can be murderers too. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode six. Hashtag stay woke. This is the race episode. This is the episode about uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. There is a a protest against police violence in which a police officer is shot, shot and killed. And the woman who was responsible for leading that protest was right in front of the cop. A lot of, several witnesses saw her with a gun. Mm-hmm. Might have been her cell phone, but they say it was a gun. And so she's in jail. And she's been in jail. And again, this isn't uh, something where a lot of these crimes took place in 2006. Mm-hmm. Or 2000. Like, they were like 10 to 15 years ago apiece. They never yeah. go off of like a fresh conviction. Um, No, there's sort of... There's oh, one there's, that's like there's a... One there's one where like, a serial killer becomes active again right, and they have right, to get involved. But, we'll but, uh, but apart from that, uh, all of these are like old convictions. Yeah. So yeah, this is something that happened back in 2006. Um, yeah, sh- and they try to figure out, you know, who... Everybody's really mad because they assume that she's a cop killer. She maintains her innocence. Uh, and it turns out there was some dalliances with the, with her partner, like the, the dead cop's partner. No, she was married. Or, or, she was like married to a fellow cop who was there. Uh, wasn't it also her partner, I guess? But they were on the same beat. They are on the same, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of finagling. They, they do this thing where it's like, we're going to look at all of the pictures that were posted on social media of the event, and we're going to create this 3D picture of everything that happened at the exact moment it's like the that, person was shot. It's like that scene in The Dark Knight where he just sort of turns on every cell phone in, in Gotham City. And, and they Yeah, exactly. And they do this thing that... Again, you're every almost every crime on the show took place like ten years ago, mm. and they're always able to find the evidence, like immediately, like, like yeah. within like real, like, it's that, never there's, difficult. Like there's, there's, there's like a scene, a scene where uh, where Manny and Tess go down to the scene of the crime, mm-hmm. and they figure out, wait a minute, the bullet came from a different angle. The cops were looking for over there, but it came from the opposite direction. He walks up to a wall and just digs it out. Yeah, ten like, years oh. ago, <laughs> they've rolled the wall has been redone. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's not deep either. The, it's the, right there. The wall has been redone the same way you redo your dorms after you stuck poster pins in it. Like you just put a little bit of toothpaste in it and you hope the RA doesn't notice at the end of the year. The bullet's right there. It's not deep. (laughs) So So yeah, he just sort of reaches in, digs it out and uh, yeah, he's able to get that piece of evidence. Yeah, they should have called it convenience section. How about just convenience? You can stop there. That that works pretty well. (laughs) Shut up. Uh, But it turns out it was uh, this like security guard who was nearby who decided he was nervous and decided to kill somebody. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Tess is actually um, flirting with the guy that she wrongfully got convicted. Yeah, and we don't know who he is at first. Yeah. She just sort of like gives him big tips. Yeah, he works on like, a know, coffee So I, I assumed that she was going to be given a romantic subplot with this guy because mm-hmm. she's kind of attracted to him and he's, he's an attractive dude. And, he is. And yeah, it turns out this was the man who was wrongly, wrongfully convicted. And That's, the reason why she's plot. so motivated to be part of this unit is because 
her testimony was wrong. She thought mm-hmm. she was right, and it turns out the DNA evidence cleared him completely. Yeah. Um, so, wouldn't have been so great if it turns out... conviction integrity. It would have been kind of cool if they... It would have been kind of cool if they dated, mm-hmm. and then she began to doubt that the DNA evidence was right in the first place. If, well, and to I reinvestigate mean, if, it, and it turns out maybe he did do it. If that was, like, sort of the plot of one episode, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but you have to but build to it a little bit. I, I suppose so. You have a couple episodes where they're dating, and then you have then you that. Have that yeah, exactly. So that, so that means more. Don't, don't take a whole season, though, is my point. No, no, a story no. like that two three episodes tops a few yeah, yeah. Um, okay episode seven a simple man mm. and it's about a guy with a low IQ who is accused of burning down a restaurant right. and they think maybe his brothers who own the restaurant uh, tricked him into doing it or did it themselves for the insurance money yeah. and it turns out it was actually one of the brothers wives hmm. gotcha well well, it, it was the, one of the brothers wives who tricked him into burning down the who tricked the, the guilty party into actually burning it down. Yeah, she like moved things around on his to-do he, list. He, he, he has an IQ of like 78, and they're they're debating whether or not that makes him competent to stand trial, and at the time they said, yes, it did, so he's been in prison this whole time. And, yeah, one of, one of the wives sort of tricked him into doing something that's like set off a... A chemical a, reaction. A big chemical that, reaction. Yeah. Turns out it involved like kitty litter and kitchen grease, which I don't mm. think you can really do, but all right. It's probably the sort of thing where... We don't want to tell people how to actually do that. So they left out some vital pieces of information. Yeah, like in Fight Club. They don't actually tell you how to make... They tell you how to make a bomb in Fight Club. That that won't actually work. They left out some key steps and changed some things. On purpose. Yeah, so that people wouldn't try that. You ever, you ever like, listen to a movie... You ever uh, watch a movie and you hear someone's phone number and it's not 55501-something? And tried to call that number? That's why they have five 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 zero one something <laughs> because same, somebody would try to call that number. same basic principle. We don't eight six seven five three zero nine. You cannot imagine how many people with that number yeah. get called. Like it's Jenny there. Again, mm. Get on my face. Exactly. Um, this is also the episode in which uh, a documentary crew is following them around because they're trying to exonerate that guy. Uh, and and, and they, I, I, what I love is that none of the characters have any patience for the documentary crew, and the documentary crew are all bastards. Yeah, because they actually talk about like how, like, oh, hey, listen, we're doing this for our own reasons. We haven't like made a dime off of this, but when the movie's made, you'll make money, right? Well, well maybe, I, yeah. I, I hope it's popular, yeah, so you're doing this for your own benefit. No, yeah. no, I'm trying to... Okay, I'm doing it for my own benefit. Yeah, like I'm doing it for him too, but I am also doing it for me. And And so they ask these really kind of asshole, provocative questions of everybody. And oh, and by the way, tell us about how you used to be a drug addict. It's really personal. Go. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. The uh, and and Hayes does like jerk things in return, like blowing off air horns just to interrupt. Admittedly, that was pretty funny. I thought that was kind of cute. Episode eight: Bad Deals. Uh, and uh, this is uh, of a, a woman is who was kidnapped. Serial killer? No, this no, is. Oh, the, yeah, she was kidnapped. Oh, this is the room episode. Yeah, like the movie Room. Uh, mm-hmm. She was kidnapped. She was uh, held hostage inside a secure room inside someone's house, and she managed to break herself free because, wouldn't you know it, her kidnapper just happened to die. Had a heart just, attack and yeah. died. Yeah. So, so she, she escaped. To, to break out, she escaped. Problem is that there was another guy who was convicted for kidnapping and killing her. Mm. So, so now. Oopsie. But maybe they were in cahoots. All kinds of things could have happened, and it turns out they were not. They weren't in cahoots. No. Turns out that this guy was just sort of looking over. Well, they were in cahoots because the guy was sort of looking over, but he had nothing to do with the actual. He had nothing to do with the crime. Yeah. He had nothing to do with the crime that was that was actually committed. Mm. Um, this is also an episode in which it turns out that Sean Ashmore's character was responsible for convicting that dude in the first place, and that's something they 
touch upon a couple of times when you have a case that you actually worked on before. What and the, well, and they, they what bring the it up immediately. Say you can't do this. It's like, well, it's my my case. I get to do this, right? Well, no conflict of interest. Well, actually, dude. actually, Hayes always says yes. Yeah, because I want your input, and I'm just like, you just that actor just has it in their contract that they're in every episode. You know, <laughs> there's no actual good reason well, for them to be on this right now. The, whenever they do something like vaguely unethical like that, they never do anything just horrible. But uh, mm. whenever they do something that sort of skirts the line of what is ethical, I like that that Hayes is the one that pushes them over the edge because she's kind of the, the dubiously ethical character, but she's also it's kind of the driving force of the show. So it's like, you know, we really need to get this done. Let's just cut through the treacle. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Do the unethical thing. Helps us speed things up a little bit. All right. Uh, the next episode is called A Different Kind of Death. And here's one where the guy is actually on death row and he's going to die. Yeah, this is the one that uh, the five day really matters. Actually matters because in five days he's going to be executed. And I feel like this might have even been no, the they, original. They don't have the death penalty in New York. So they had to sort of move him elsewhere. They so, had his case so moved is, to a different state. There is going a, to be like a race in a car to stop this guy at just the right time. And, this uh, is, and I feel like this is probably the elevator pitch for the show was probably we're trying to get people off of death row but you, we can only like activate this crew like five days before mm. they're about to be executed. The problem is there aren't that many people being executed in America <laughs> to have five seasons it, yeah, of a show. It, it, would, it would have to be like in a dystopian Texas where just people are executed <laughs> ever like five times a week. Yeah, right? exactly. It just you can't do it. So, but here's the one where they really push it. Funnily enough, this episode is directed by Andrew McCarthy from the Brat Pack. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that Andrew McCarthy. That Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, I like okay. Andrew McCarthy. Um, and it stars an actor I really like who I actually didn't really was still doing a lot of work. Uh, Richard Thomas uh, okay. from uh, The Waltons and the TV miniseries of It. Oh, no kidding. All yeah, right. I always like that actor. And he brings a lot of dignity to this. And he is... Uh, um, He's like prosecuted, I think, for like embezzling money, and then he tried to kill a guy who was gonna like, you know, yeah, who yeah, was yeah. gonna uh, think on him, and then he dies, right. and then it turned into a death penalty case after he had already pled guilty for a lesser charge. So it looks so, real bad. So yeah, he, he and it turns out, you know, when it comes to embezzling, it's like who did it? Was it this guy? Was it this other? And they find out that he wasn't the the guy on death row. Isn't the embezzler? Uh, but it turns out, yeah, like somebody else had somebody else killed and the guy on death row is completely innocent. And in a big twist, he gets executed anyway. Yeah, they find out just a little they, – they, because of the – he's had a lot of different appeals. They exhausted all their possibilities and uh, they were not able to get there in time and, and it just fucking dies. And I think this – and this is like we're at, what, episode eight, nine? Nine. Uh, nine at this yeah. point. Episode nine, this is a good – point in the series to have this episode the one where things actually kind of get real for Hayes Mm -hmm. Uh, because this is kind of where she does have a little bit of a turn where she realized that lives are actually at stake here we're not just sort of yanking people out of prison and throwing other people into prison and there's you know the the notion of working on a case that's 10 years old means all of the players are still alive we're just sort of dredging up history they're the masters of things and this Mm -hmm. is this is the first time when Hayes isn't the master of this, that somebody might actually die. And she actually has to take the job really seriously all of a sudden. And notice she doesn't offer to flash anybody in this episode or Mm -hmm. do anything really unethical. She's actually really in a blind panic. Mm. And in the next episode, she starts talking a little bit more seriously about doing this job and impressing people. Um, I think this is also the episode, though, where like she and Wallace get back together. It's around here. Uh, she oh, no, and Wallace, it was right at the end of this episode yeah, where she they and start Wallace getting back together. I've been sort of flirting. Again, they used to date. Mm. They've been flirting a lot. 
Uh, and the, about around here, they actually start hooking up. And we, also around we didn't this episode, talk about the character of Naomi too much, which is her ex girlfriend. Eh, she kind of pops in for a couple episodes just to be. This is, happens a lot in TV. You're going to mm. notice this a lot, where there are two characters who pretty much from episode one are destined to be together. Uh-huh. And that, at least that's what the show wants us to think, and we've, <laughs> we're supposed to get super fucking involved in it. And my favorite one of those is the newsroom, where Emily Mortimer looks at uh, Allison Pill and um, what's his name the killer guy from that movie hush and she just looks at the guy and just said you should be in a love interest thing with her <laughs> and he says that phrase well, more or less uh, and she, she basically just says hey you guys should be lovers and i'm just like well that's the next five fucking seasons <laughs> and they're gonna and they knew what they were gonna do they were gonna like they're gonna bring them closer together it's gonna be some dramatic happens and one of them sleeps with the wrong person they have to date them for a fucking season it happened on ross and rachel all the fucking time you know it was gonna happen <laughs> You know what if like Firefly continued? Like, cause you know there's all this thing about oh, will 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 Simon and and Kaylee will they end up together? They have such a cute flirty thing. You know that like at the beginning once they, of, once they do that, like in season four. No, like in, just, no, fuck that. In season two, it was gonna look like they're almost about to kiss, but then Callie ends up like on a deserted planet with Jane, and then she ends up fucking Adam Baldwin, and they're gonna have that relationship for a whole fucking season. It's gonna be really fucking awkward. Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. This is before we knew. I don't about wanna, his Twitter shit. I don't want to <laughs> see Firefly now. <laughs> Adam Baldwin. Yeah. I'll take Stephen Baldwin over Adam Baldwin. Don't say things you can't do. <laughs> there, those, that's a lateral move nowadays. <laughs> William Baldwin. We'll take William Baldwin. Billy Baldwin. There you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, next episode is called Not Okay. Mm. And this is also an, uh, another parallel to the show Doubt. Uh, this is also about a woman who is raped on her college campus. The college yeah, is trying to cover yeah, it up. Uh, but in it's this one, weird to see those two episodes so close and to each other, they kind of pop yeah. in around the same episode in the season. They're both like episode mm-hmm. ten, and here she is convicted of murdering the guy. Mm. And again, she's being accused of the crime, even though she was originally the victim. And what they decide to do is they basically look at every single person. Every single like rape victim they mm-hmm. have on the books, they're looking at, well, they're probably the killer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this really the best we can do right now? Is this the attitude we should have? Because I- I'm not sure we're sending the right message. And it turns out it's actually like the rape crisis counselor who did it mm-hmm. to protect all of them. And I'm just like, should we really be saying that we should look take a real close look at people who take care of the mental well-being of victims mm. because they might be killers? Is this really the attitude we really want to have right now? I get you think well, it's a twist, it, but it's not because it's just the whole story. It, it's it is it's not really so much a twist as it is just sort of a, a violent revenge fantasy. It's like don't don't you wish you could just kill that guy? Don't you wish you just kill him? He's raping all these women. Just just kill him and. So that the but show, isn't the, that in and of itself the show does also, it for you in your head? But isn't that also a very cynical approach to a topic that really needs to be approached with more sensitivity than that? Well, I found I, I mean, found it g- very given, poorly handled. Given that there's an entire hit show that's been on this, the air for like 58 seasons, which is does that on a weekly basis I mean, called yeah. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Sure, uh, you know the, the kind of grace and tact from that but, is about as graceful and tactful as they do it here. But this is a I show. I think it's fine. But this is a show. Uh-huh. With wacky characters, and isn't it funny? She's the president's daughter, and she has to deal with the paparazzi. And oh, will she or will she not get back together with her ex boyfriend? And it's just the context places it in a weird position. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it can do this. I think Doubt did a better service to this type of storyline mm-hmm. than Conviction did. And Conviction is trying to take itself 
even more seriously. Yeah. And I think it's kind of ironic. Yeah. That, conviction is kind of, you know, intense and propulsive, whereas doubt was kind of at times whimsical. There's, I don't yeah. think there's any, you said there are wacky characters. There's no wacky characters well, on conviction. No, Who's but the I, wacky character no, on Hayes, conviction? I, Hayes, Hayes, Hayes is the, uh, they're, they're, they're going for someone like house. They're going for like an anti-hero character, but she's not as clearly, de- she's not clearly defined like mm-hmm. that. She just sort of pushes everybody mm-hmm. and says funny things. I, I, she whips out an air horn to annoy people in the middle of a, in the mm-hmm. middle of a, uh, I, I, of a meeting. It's not, it's not, I'll say that House is a misanthrope for a reason. I'll I feel say like this. Hayes is a misanthrope yeah. for for very superficial yeah. reasons. She's not even a misanthrope; she's just who she is. I, I already said that the casting of Haley Atwell was kind kind of a mistake because she mm. can't really th- sell that misanthropy that I think the show is clearly going for. Um, I, I I hate to give the show like too much benefit of the doubt, but mm. I can see what they were going for. Which, sure, so but- I was willing to forgive it a little bit, even though it didn't quite work on on. In its own context. And as we all know, the road to heaven is paved in best intentions. Nah. Well, I, just, I can't appreciate what they're going for. But if you're, again, you're talking about a topic, mm. week in, week out sometimes, topics mm. that are heavily debated, mm. seriously discussed, often uh, neglected or mistreated in the media in a variety of fashions. If you're going to tackle it head on, I think that brings with it certain responsibilities. And I don't think this show does a very good job of it a lot of the time. It, it is the criminal justice system, and it's about sort of the nitty gritty. It's about the the part, the, the technical criminal- parts of the crime aspects of, of sexual assault that they're dealing with. And so they actually just have to deal with the business of it. Okay, and but and a, a drama about the business end of it is you know, all these people who are dealing with really sensitive material who have to soldier through and do this work because it's necessary. Here's where I disagree with that. I see what you're getting at, but uh-huh. here's where I disagree with that. And then I, we need to move on because I think we're circling. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree with that because the creators of, and writers of the show mm-hmm. get to decide who did it. And every episode ends with closure. Mm. The real criminal justice system doesn't necessarily do that. That's why conviction exists, because the ending isn't always satisfying. So this one always has a satisfying, tied up, everything is covered ending. So when you're able to have that ending, you kind of rob it of the nuance, and you just get to make your statement. You get to make your point. And I think that brings with it different responsibilities than something Mm -hmm. like Law and Order, which can really play in that muddled gray area more easily. Yeah. Anyway, uh, episode 11, Black Orchid. Here's one where they have captured a serial killer. They've captured a serial killer, but then someone else has been killed in exactly the same way. Mm. And using those details that the cops keep from the press about a serial killer's killing so that they're able to identify real tips, real confessions mm. from the wackadoodles who are just like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to confess to a murder today. Yeah, so can you tell us these three details? Well, no, I can't. Well, then you're not the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. no, I, what I, what, tell us about the knife you used. Uh, I used a hatchet. Actually, you used a nail file. So, ha ha, not you. <laughs> Done. Uh, so, but here it's like, okay. But, I'd love to hear you as a police dispatch guy. Ha ha, not you. Um, <laughs> well, it's not you. <laughs> Next call. Bzzzt. But in this case, it's actually very, very, it's, it, this is one where they actually have to work alongside a, a current police investigation because mm-hmm. they're looking at the old investigation and the new one. And it's relatively well, simple. Either there's a copycat mm-hmm. or there was someone in cahoots with the original guy or the original guy didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So they have to figure well, that out. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> Well, I, I do like that this show is going out of its way to sort of separate itself from just a, a common police procedural. Right. This is one of the things they can do that other police procedurals can't necessarily, at mm. least not all the time. Right. But the problem is that with a show like this, which is really very simple, someone's been convicted of a crime, we're going to try to unconvict them. Mm. Um, acquit them. <laughs> if you must. 
Um, you really have to bend over backwards to keep that from being straightforward. Now, on some levels, that's going to be kind of interesting because it forces them to sort of work. Again, they have certain beats they have to hit every time. We're recreating mm. the crime. We're testing out and different it, theories. And, and indeed, it, at the beginning of every uh, every after every commercial break, it begins with how many days remaining they have. So exactly. yeah, it moves in a, in a very very efficient way. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate that. And part of the appeal is seeing how they're going to work around this very rigid structure they've created for themselves. But the rigid structure, again, is arbitrary. You <laughs> picked five days. You could have said ten. <laughs> you just picked five days. Fuck it. Uh, so uh, I, I, I would love to have seen an episode where they get it done in one day and the rest of the episode is just them sort of goofing off. It's like, yeah. what do they do on their day off? Well, we, 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 cleared, we, cleared, the, we cleared this we, one in four. We cleared, we cleared this guy in like ten hours. We're good. You know, mm. let's let's just hang out. Um, that, would, that would have been kind of funny. Mm. I sure would have liked that. In any case, it turns out the, the guy, guy who was originally uh, caught didn't do it. Mm. That, that the serial killer was still out there, and that, yeah. was, that was spooky. Uh, episode and, and the cop had to do they, some reckoning, because or the yeah. lawyer had to do some reckoning because he got. Oh yeah, this the was the guy. one. Yeah. This was the one where he was responsible for putting the guy in jail. He thought he might be wrong. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, episode twelve, enemy combatant. Uh, there is a guy who was arrested for a potential terrorist attack on the subway. Uh, he claims he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And he is on a hunger strike, and Hayes's father, who is getting a personal investment in this case for reasons they don't really mm-hmm. get into until that, the end. That, that is an ex-president. Yes. So Bill Clinton. Basically, Bill Clinton <laughs> says, hey, I want you to look into this case. This guy uh, says he didn't do it. We need to prove he didn't do it because he's in the middle of a hunger strike and he will die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So there's a bit, a bit of a ticking clock. A bit yeah. of a ticking clock, and appreciate that. Um, and they're trying to figure out why did he have an, expl- an incendiary device mm-hmm. on him? Could we? Did it, did it just happen to be left in his taxi cab? Well, then who left it there? Yeah, as it, as it turns out, he, uh, it, it was just left in his taxi cab. <laughs> How embarrassing! I I left my sarin gas mm-hmm. in the taxi cab. Yeah, uh, and it turns out that Dad had an agenda all along. Even though they have to like, they're going to release the guy, but they're going to keep it quiet. There won't be like a big mm-hmm. explosive Time magazine cover about it. They're just going to like, yeah, we're sorry. Goodbye. Here, here, here's here, here's a house and no taxes the rest of your life. Please don't kill us. Please. So sorry. They're just like, oh, like, yeah, like, it, it, hmm. there's a reason people are pissed at the American government. That's a good reason. <laughs> but it turns out that Bill Clinton only wanted to do that so he can get a job at the UN. Yeah. Like, a, like the UN Attorney General or whatever. What, Secretary what, guy, what, UN. Which is weird to think that an ex-president has to hustle. Yeah, <laughs> but it all boils down to, at this point, Hayes and uh, Wallace have been trying to have a real relationship, and they're both really career-oriented go-getters, and they're not used to it. And they also kind of hate each other, which I kind of appreciate. But, I can you know, fine with that. Well, they're both lawyers, and they've actually competed against each other in the courtroom, so they bicker a lot. Mm. Um, As we'll see in the final episode, the worst episode of the show. <laughs> at the Yeah. Um, but in this one, Hayes' father comes up to her and says... I'm sure he loves you, but you're also a, a president's daughter, mm. and he knows that, and he's using that to his advantage because why wouldn't he? Mm. And she's shaken. And I'm like, I seriously, you're the cynic. <laughs> you wouldn't think you've dated him before. You don't think that he is it has at least occurred to him that you're the president's daughter? Hmm. He wants to be like, you know, governor or mayor or something. He said that he, before. He's, he's openly said that he's he running has a for political office. career and he's running yeah. for office. And, and the thing is, is that this is the sort of thing that Hayes herself even argued in the documentary episode. You have mm. your own agenda. Mm. She so so does so does Wallace. But the thing is, it's like it's just like if you marry someone, if you're in a serious relationship with someone, and they have some sort of weird extenuating circumstance, mm. you know, positive or negative, 
you do think about it. <laughs> you don't ignore it. You say to yourself, I'm fine with that. Mm. I can make that work. Or I, eh, I, bonus, I, but okay. You know? I wish he had said, yeah, I know that. I don't care. Yeah, because yeah, who gives a shit? Because this is he the, takes advantage of me, I'll just advantage him right back. The last episode is just her, her whole subplot is her freaking out because it turns out her boyfriend knows that she's the president's daughter and might benefit from it. Mm. Like literally anyone who dated her ever would. I, I would really love to talk to Chelsea Clinton, like mm-hmm. the real Chelsea Clinton about sure. this. Like, not to get too personal about it, but, but you know, it's, it's how, a weird situation. How right? strange it would be for somebody who has lived in the White House as as a child and then yeah. grew up and started dating. You know, how suspicious of you are would you be of that person? It's there, like, there's not one but two movies about that. There was uh, first daughter. Well, and then there was the other one. I can't remember. They came out like first, the same year. First kid, I don't remember. No, first kid was the one with Sinbad. Oh yeah. Uh, no, because there was there was one that was directed by like Forrest Whitaker, and there was another one that had like Mandy Moore in it, or maybe that was the one with Mandy Moore. But it was one of those things where the two <laughs> oh, movies the exact same oh, plot. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, all yeah. about the, the president's daughter on. getting romance. That was like the mm. whole thing. One yeah. of them was first daughter, and the my, other one was. My the point other is, one. I'd like to talk to an actual president's daughter. Sure, and, you know, just sort of. It's a weird situation. Yeah, it's, what would that possibly be like? Because I can't imagine. Mm. All right. So uh, in the last episode. This, and uh, they go out on a flashback. Luckily, it's not a clip show. Oh, thank God. Which would be the worst possible thing. But, but they, they go close. out on a flashback and that's so aggravating, especially yeah. on a show that is based on how propulsive it is. Mm-hmm. That it, they should stop the whole show to give us backstory. Yeah. So in this episode, uh, Hayes actually takes on a case that was one of her cases. Mm-hmm. It was one of her first cases. It was actually against Wallace. Wallace got this guy uh, convicted for killing his wife. Mm-hmm. And Hayes, who frankly watched the flashbacks, wasn't a very good lawyer back then. <laughs> um, she screwed up. Mm-hmm. She didn't do anything like unethical or wrong. She just made rookie mistakes and the guy got sent to jail. Um, and now they're looking at it again, and it turns out, uh, yeah, he he had a uh, uh, an open relationship with his wife, and now they're looking at all of his gay lovers to see which one of them could have done it. Um, turns out she had a congenital heart defect, and it was all an accident. <laughs> so no one's guilty. So no one's guilty. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Sean Ashmore is finally taken to task for getting that guy in a prison fight. Yeah, back like in episode. Three or four, whenever it was, yeah. yeah. The, the, now, the the evil like mosque bomber dude yeah. who stabbed a guy to stay in prison, and they actually appreciate like what they do with his character because he's actually put in an ethical quandary. Mm-hmm. He actually just says, I'll, "I'll tell him I did it. I'm not ashamed of it. It'll ruin my career, but it's the right thing to do." Mm-hmm. And Hayes says, "If you do that, every single one of our cases is probably going to get thrown out, and all these people are going to get thrown so, back so in jail." You, you have to actually participate in a cover up yeah. so we can keep the CIU going. So and he says, "Okay, well, I'll take the fifth. He says, "Well, then your career will be ruined." And he's yeah. like. Fine. <laughs> and then uh, he's about to go through with it, and Hayes, who is still freaking out over the whole Wallace thing, mm. uh, Wallace has already told him that he loves her. Mm. She tells him she loves him too. But oh. then she decides to kiss Sean Asmore in front of like the cleaning staff so that it looks like she's sexually harassing him, and now they can't fire him because mm. it'll look bad. But wouldn't you know it, Wallace saw it too. Wallace saw his girlfriend kissing a guy, and even though she has, I mean, it's a stupid fucking plan, but even though she has a good rationale for it, John Asmore will back it up, and this is kind of totally in keeping with her whole pattern of behavior. That's the cliffhanger. <laughs> oh no, she kissed yeah. a guy! Like, like I said, the last, last episode... Ends on a weak note. It ends on a weak note. Um, yeah. However, 
Overall, I did like this show uh, kind of a lot. I liked watching okay. it um, in in that CSI Law and Order sort of way. Yeah. Um, in, in that it has very quickly establishes and very strongly a pretty rigid pattern that you're able to hang your hat on every single week. It was clearly going for that type of audience, that type yes. of show. And I think it nailed it pretty closely. The only weak parts were <laughs> Haley Atwell. And and the Wallace character. Mm. Um, it's kind of meandered a little bit, and I feel like it would have done less and less of that interpersonal stuff, maybe, as it they, went on. They just have a hackneyed relationship, and what they really, really needed was that to be sort of like a baseline flirtation, but they both should have had more real love interests if you really wanted to push that storyline. Because it's too much of a foregone conclusion. Halfway through the season, they're already together. Or they were ex like in House. Uh, they I, are think, I think House and... and Cuddy, who headed up the hospital, weren't mm-hmm. weren't they ex lovers or like they had dated briefly or something? I honestly, don't remember but that. There was, but there was always that tension. There, there was tension, but they never broke it. Not once. There was mm-hmm. always sort of like maybe a kind of flirtation, but they also kind of hate each and other. A lot of dream they, sequences, which were great for next week on House, and you'd yeah, see Cuddy like, like strip for House, but it kiss, turns out it was yeah, a hallucination. Yeah. Uh, so if, if they had a relationship kind of like that, where there was a lot of tension, but it was never, ever, ever, ever realized, ever. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, what you needed to do. That's but what they, you need to but do. they were too, they were too intimate. They were too close. They'd already dated each other. They've already like broken the seal on the relationship. They, there's they, no they reason not to put them back together. Yeah, there's yeah. no reason not to put them back together. So I think that was a mistake. I, I do appreciate that this is a very slick production. Mm. It's the cast is is very likable. Um, the episodes themselves, I take issue with the way. Especially that they did it so consistently. They tried to tackle relevant current social events, and I thought that they just either mishandled them, poorly gauged their politics, Mm. um, uh, didn't realize what kind of message they were sending because they thought they were just Mm. being clever with the form. And I think that was a big mistake. I I, I started to grate on my nerves that the show kept trying to tackle big issues and it kept bringing nothing to them or sending the wrong message. That bothered me. Mm. As a CSI type show, and I'm going to say right now, I'm not typically a fan of those. I can take them or leave them, but that's kind of my point. (laughs) I can watch an episode of CSI and be engaged. I never have to watch another one. It doesn't engage me at any time. So, like, if you ask me, like, if almost any procedural was canceled too soon, I'd say probably not because it literally doesn't matter if I see the next episode. That's the thing. I just, it's the same format, and other shows are doing that format. Here, and, and, you know, no. it's the sort of thing where you you don't have to see them in order. You can yeah. watch a rerun because turn on your TV right now and start flipping around. You'll find Law and Order. It's on yeah. at some point. Law- some, it's on somewhere. You're going to find a Law and Order, an NCIS, or a CSI. Yeah. One of those. Going to find and, it. And it's not going to matter. All of those things are runaway hits. Yes, they are. They're because they're Law and Order especially is really well thought out. Mm-hmm. It's really well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's easy it's, to consume. And it's easy to consume. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. Um I think conviction, while not as like sharp or as well written as something like Law and Order, it's not nearly as gritty. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot, it's a little, little bit more lightweight. Um, still was smart enough to sort of ape that pattern, but make it unique enough that it kind of became its own type of procedural. And that's my and I'm kind of surprised that it did get canceled because it actually nailed that so sharply. I'm surprised that it got canceled too, mm. even though I'm not a big big fan of it. And I mm. think. In trying to create its own framework, mm. it ended up feeling really uh, contrived. The, the The way that it works differently than other shows isn't organic. It's because the show decided it's supposed to work this way. Mm. It, they're making up their own rules, and the rules 
it could be anything. Hmm. And it, it, it just, I, it's, it's I can't one, get it. It's one contrived aspect keep, of a show that's well made. They though. keep, it's, but yeah, but that's the whole show is the contrivance. The whole show is we only have five days to solve this case. No, you don't. <laughs> Needed one more day, you could take it. And I, I, I'm not feeling this deadline well, the way may, you are. Maybe they'd say that in a future episode. I, but they should have said it in the fucking second episode because it's ridiculous. Um, but even so, uh, my biggest problem with the show, honestly, is that it just it doesn't. It feels like the only thing that it's bringing new to the procedural dynamic, other than. I guess what they're trying to do with Haley Atwell's character, and I think that's the fault of the writing more than it is her, but I think we both have a problem with the character. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it's just, it doesn't bring enough of a new thing. The only new thing it brings is more of a really good elevator pitch than it is actually that much more different to watch. Mm. I think it's basically just solving the crime. Yeah. And the, the 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 incidents around it have changed, but the nuts and bolts of every episode are basically the same. So you've got a CSI, you got a law and order, you got an NCIS, but now there's like incidental bullshit that's just put a dropped on top of it. Well, it's, and it's I fine, the, but I don't think it makes it more interesting. I think, I think it just the, makes the, it more the change dynamic is the time frame. This is letting which people is out of made up from the, the past. No, not not the five days. But that's thing. cold it's, case. They've done that too. Well I get okay, cold case. You're right. Like, <laughs> it's been done. So like I what they really needed to bring to it, if they really wanted to I think the I think they made too much of a big deal about the sort of uh, the rules that they have to follow at the CIU. Mm. And I think they didn't make enough of a big deal about the characters because that's what they can do differently is mm. they have a character. I have never seen a procedural law show about Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> that's that. That's the hook. Mm. That's the thing. It's different. You notice a lot of the advertising focused on that. Mm. I think that's what makes it interesting. And then you actually have to do something with her. And there's a couple of times when they do, when they do focus on what it's like to actually be in a political family where you can never trust your mother and father to do things entirely for you because they're always working about their own senatorial campaign or something along those lines. That's fine. It's not enough of it. Mm. And honestly, I wonder if the Hayes Morrison story wouldn't have been more interesting if she wasn't part of the CIU. (laughs) You can just do a story. Like a series about a a party girl ex-president's daughter just sort of trying to get on in the world. Trying to to get her shit together, but Mm. she's still stuck in the limelight all the time. There's a story there. Mm. And just putting her in a procedural is just a little... sort of dramedy series. Putting her in a procedural just makes it feel a little forced to me. I feel like maybe what we have is two shows that would have worked fine, that became one show that's kind of fighting itself. Uh, I, I don't think it's really fighting itself. I think they had a good idea. I think they just mm. didn't let the character kind of mesh with the show well enough. And I, I think Haley Atwell is a big part of it. I, I, and again, the writing as well, but uh, and the Wallace character. Just the Wallace character. He's, he's nothing. He's kind of a useless character. He's not that interesting. You, 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 you need, about you Haley Atwell, her of, character is big. His character is small. You needed like some sort of boss character. You needed a Charlie, essentially. You needed someone who would... Over, over, giving these characters a little bit of oversight. He's so, super forgiving of her. He mm. gives her all the leeway in the world. There's a couple of bits early on, which I appreciated, where like her second case was a case that Wallace tried, and she's trying to stick it to him, and he's trying to like get out in front of it mm. and like sort of manipulate her as she's manipulating him and like going public to the press about the case early before she can crack it. 
hmm. saying, yes, I, I'm having her look into this case I did because I never thought it was 100% right. And I'm glad we have my count- conviction integrity unit hmm. uh, to look into all of our mistakes. Yes, even mine, because I'm dignity man. <laughs> and I <laughs> like that dynamic. Know, I, I like them fighting each other. They're together. They're on the same team too early. You know who you need in that role. You don't need Hanson McHansonson. You need someone like Armin Shimmerman. Oh, I don't you need, even. You need like a, a an, like an angry boss type. I think you need. I think you need an angry boss type mm. who has an unusual sexuality to them. Because Armin Shimmerin isn't doesn't ooze sex, but you want someone who can just be like, "Well, I'll, I'll speak for yourself." And you want someone to be like, "I tap that." <laughs> you know, like I, I see it. He's got so much power. Like you need William Fickner. There you go. William, William Fickner, Fickner would have been great. He is he is dignified. He's strong. He is threatening, mm. but also. I'd hit that. <laughs> I would totally hit that. Yeah, yeah. The, Bad guy from Lone Ranger? Yeah, let's do this. And somebody who, like, Hayes would be a little bit intimidated by, perhaps. Yeah. Not, not somebody she could also push around and sort of... Yeah, well, it's just a pushover. It's mm. like it's like fucking Hogan's heroes. After a while, <laughs> after a while <laughs> you're not... just aren't threatening You're, you're not threatened by Colonel Clink. Like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to find out you kept a telephone in the potted plant? What's he going to do? <laughs> be befuddled? <laughs> Like he's not. Uh, gonna... uh, 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 yeah, th- uh, just the threat isn't there anymore. That's the problem. Anyway, that's how you improve the show. You replace the Wallace character with Colonel Clink. Done. Oh, <laughs> uh, so if let's be honest here, if Conviction went on forever, it would be the same show. It would be the same. Different people would fuck. They would have that would be basically it. No, we had a couple well, of subplots they, we think... never got. We never wrapped up. We never wrapped up mm. Tess's subplot, and I feel like they built it up too much. There's probably some big reveal. Mm. Um, the uh, the, the ex cop, she was going back on painkillers for a bit. That mm. never quite went anywhere. No, that, that was actually something we didn't mention. She yeah. went back on painkillers because somebody somebody were chasing shot himself right in front of her and yeah she's like i can't go to prison for this that's too much for her she goes back mm-hmm. on painkillers but that doesn't really go anywhere and, and then she's busted and i guess she's okay because mm. it didn't we didn't get to see the end of that subplot yeah and then uh, uh i believe it's frankie frankie was the uh, csi guy who was in jail mm. turns out that he took this job because a guy he knew in jail uh might not have done it but he's not sure the guy didn't do it mm. and he's also not entirely sure if he's in love with the dude you get the impression that he's not 100% confident in his own sexuality. And he isn't, he's not sure if they're brothers or friends or if he wants to be lovers. He doesn't know. And he's really uncomfortable. And there's actually one good scene where he admits as much. Mm. And he's like, he's got the guy's file. And he's like, you want me to take a look at that? And he's like, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> and then he, they never get back to it. So I think we, so we would have tackled that eventually. Episode with that. Yeah. So there's a couple of dangling threads. Mm. Nothing I'm like dying to get nothing i'm like oh i'll never know and that'll bother me you know like like the end of alcatraz which just pisses you off even if you weren't super into it the ending is like dude fuck come on i think it was canceled too soon because i could have taken a lot more of this Mm -hmm. i could have had it's it's the same flavor each time but it's a flavor i enjoy and uh the only ways you can really throw up the twists is like okay this one took us 10 days so in the next episode we have to free like five people in one episode so each each character takes on their own case and they all have to sort of do it in, in their own sort of corner yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you rip rip mm. some things from the headlines, give it a, a sort of a, a bit of a, a polish, take a, a little bit of the edge off. It is an mm. ABC show, yeah, and uh, and just present it that way. And yeah, fine, I could watch that. I could watch that over dinner. My thing with 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 uh, conviction is this: I'm actually I like you. I'm a little surprised it didn't do a little better, mm. just because it just seems like the sort of thing you can just scoop down with a big spoonful of gravy. Like, <laughs> but I feel the same way. And and again, it's not incompetent. I have issues with it. I've described them in detail. Mm. Um, but I feel the same way about conviction the way I do about like the McDonald's arch deluxe burger. <laughs> it's not, not different enough. It's it's like it's it's 
They tried, I'm fine they, with never having it again. They tried, like it was fine. They tried I don't need it. it as something really different. Yeah, and it's and it's not really. It's they just the bun's a little weird. Like that's kind of it. Like the the incidental stuff is is different, but it's not different enough. And the ways in which it is different aren't terribly exciting outside of the basic premise and the occasional episode they got out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with never seeing another episode of this again. So I'm not going to say it was canceled too soon. Yeah, well, all right. That said, it's nowhere near the worst show we've done. Oh goodness, not no. even close. It's just it just sort of sits there. I don't know. It's like it gets competent. <laughs> But and I think some people really want to be forgiving to movies and TV shows if they're competent. Like, but, oh, oh, they're competent. Like, well, yeah, but are they good? Mm-hmm. Is, is there a reason for it to exist? Not really. But I, I do. I do feel bad for Haley Atwell because I think she's really charming. Mm-hmm. And I think Agent Carter was great, and it does suck that one of the reasons why we didn't get more Agent Carter, as is my understanding, this is a bit uh, of hearsay, is because of conviction. I would have rather had more Agent Carter. Agent Carter was a great show. Well, if Haley Atwell left Agent Carter, clearly she didn't want to do it anymore, so she wanted to do something else. I don't know how that works. So would you rather have more Agent Carter with a star who doesn't want to be there? I would rather have more Agent Carter. (laughs) Okay. I'm fine with Andy Kaufman didn't want to do Taxi. He was still the best part of Taxi. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck him. Make him do it. Uh, I'm sure Haley Atwell was fine with Agent Carter. I think she just also wanted to do this as a show because Agent Carter was only like an eight episode series every year. Oh, she wanted so more she, work. She yeah. probably could have just done that on the off season. Mm-hmm. It just the timing didn't work out. It just sucked. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know all the details. I only know the hearsay. Um, mm-hmm. Suffice it to say, we have neither show. And I think it's <laughs> a shame. I and I hope Haley Atwell comes back she, she, and does cool she's stuff. She's going to do fine. She's, she's clearly a, a very like charming, her. beautiful young actress, and she's going to do whatever whatever she yeah. wants. I think. All right. So uh, that is it for uh, our episode about conviction. That was your pick. So that was th- your pick. thanks for picking that for us because I enjoyed watching it, even if William didn't. <laughs> and uh, and I didn't hate it. It just yeah. didn't really do anything for me. Uh, next week mm. we'll be back with uh, our last for a while. Uh, show from the 2016-2017 season. It's another one of the shows that we had a lot of requests for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Sweet Vicious. This is one of our more requested, at yeah. least recent shows. At least as recent yeah. shows go. Like, a lot of people really like, dug this show. more people wanted this than wanted vinyl. So, yeah, a lot yeah. of people have been asking for So, this we're going to watch it. Um, we're also going to have, uh, up on our Patreon page, for Patreon subscribers only, uh, if you uh, subscribe at the $5 tier, you get to vote for new episodes, and you also get a bonus episode. And next month, our big Halloween horror month, where all of our shows are going to be <laughs> horror-themed in some way, uh, you're going to help us pick our Cancel Too Soon monthly movie. The Cancel Too Soon monthly movie is the bonus episode that our subscribers get. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie in October will be a Stephen King TV miniseries. Of which there are many. Many, and not the good ones. <laughs> uh, we all loved it. We all loved the original Salem's Lot. Uh, but instead, your options will be as follows. <laughs> but instead. The Tommy Knockers. Mm-hmm. Based on a book even Stephen King said was bad. It's, the one, it's got space aliens and Tracy Lords. Yeah, Storm of the Century, which is actually a miniseries written for TV by mm. Stephen King. Not based on a Stephen King story. It's about a storm of the century. Is he uh, a good screenwriter? I guess I, we'll I, see. I, I, I saw Sleepwalkers and no. Uh, although I think he did his own adaptation of Pet Cemetery, didn't he? Was he, did, he oh, did he write that? One? I know. He, I know he directed Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, well, so he, even he admits that one he, sucked. He didn't like Kubrick's The Shining, so he signed off on that TV miniseries version of The Shining, and that one kind of stunk. It's not so. as bad as you might think, but my God, is it not good? Uh, okay, your other options. Mm. So you got Tommy Knox. Sadly, we're not, we're not going to do The Shining. No, maybe another time. Another time. Uh, we, this could be a yearly thing for us. <laughs> the Tommy Knox Storm of the Century 
country. The Langoliers is your third option, which is about people uh, in an airplane, and a bunch of people get disappeared from the airplane, and a bunch of okay. really bad CGI monsters jump after them. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, a more recent one called Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which is actually a TV miniseries, but also a horror anthology comprised of a bunch of different Stephen King short stories. Which were in his anthology book, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Actually, I'm not, actually I think some of them might have been in others, but like, oh, well, I, I actually have to check on that. Nightmares and Dreamscapes was a, an anthology yes. of short stories, and they yeah. turned it into an anthology of short uh, films, yeah. but not all necessarily from the short stories. Uh, not necessarily from that collection. Mm. I have to look into that. I thought I recognized one that was not in Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Right. I'm way more familiar. I've seen almost every Stephen King movie. Mm. I haven't seen Dolores Claiborne and some of like the Children of the Corn sequels, and I know I need to see Dolores Claiborne, but you need to um, see Children of the Corn four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I've seen, I've seen almost every Stephen King adaptation. I actually haven't read most of Stephen King's novels, but I am very familiar with his short stories. Okay, uh, so it will be fun. It would be mm. fun to do that one, but it'll be fun to do all of those. Um, those were kind of a really awesome golden era of uh, a TV miniseries. And in fact, there's one Stephen King miniseries that qualifies for our main show. Because at some point we need to track down Golden Years, which was a Stephen, which was Stephen King's curious case of Benjamin Button about an old man who's like unaging because he was exposed to nuclear radiation or something like that. And it was so unpopular, they didn't air the whole miniseries. The miniseries was canceled. (laughs) They couldn't be bothered to air the last like part or two of the miniseries. They like, wow, people do not give a shit (laughs) at all. We give up. (laughs) Uh, To to change the topic a little bit, there are a few TV series that were canceled mid episode. Like they were so unpopular, they were just yanked from the air, and you never got to see the end of the episode. We'll track some of those down. I think it's only happened like two or three times in all of TV history. And we're talking about like one of them was in Australia, I think. Yeah, and and this is not in America, so. Yeah. We'll have to work really hard to find some of these. Uh, but also, uh, again, we're on we're on Twitter at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find us. Uh, if you can't afford to subscribe on Patreon, we understand completely. Times are tough all over. That's why we have a Patreon. Uh, <laughs> but by all means, leave us a review. Yeah, if you want to yeah, help that, out, that's, leave us a review. That, that helps is, that is the, the best and freest way that you can help us. Um, the, the way the algorithm works is that when you leave a review, it mm-hmm. kind of pushes our show up the list of like visibility. Yeah. It shows and people it care other, enough to interact. Uh, yeah, and, and it lets other people find the show, yeah. and that's actually pretty pretty damn helpful. And uh, you can also email us uh, canceled too soon at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Remember, canceled always has one L in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people email us with suggestions, and some people email us about uh, the shows that we review. Do we have any? emails we want to uh, sure do read okay um here's one that comes from kevin hi kevin uh this is not the kevin who gave us um uh, emerald city we have a couple of kevins we had yeah we had a kevin who gave us emerald city thank you this thank is a you, different kevin. kevin okay uh hi bibs and whitney Greeting, hi. greetings from your new 50th supporter on patreon Ooh, thank you, you very much 50 nice happy anniversary <laughs> Uh, I came to you through Alonso Duralde's plugs for the show on Linoleum Knife. When I heard that you reviewed a different Cancel Too Soon series every week, I was intrigued and impressed. I started with his guest appearance on My Mother the Car, the episode, and I was immediately hooked. That was a heavy episode. Well, it was tough for us just because we had to watch a lot of My Mother the Car. And that show was not great. The the, the theme song is still stuck in my head, Mm. by the way, to this day. 
It will never leave. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been working my way through your back catalog. I couldn't believe the number of shows canceled in 2017 you ran through in your You Don't Know Jack episode, and I want them all. <laughs> Hoping you'll consider pitch at least at some point. Well, we, well, did. we did. Yeah, so th this, this we're, we're stretches a back a little bit. Further back, yeah. um, I'm writing to let you know that I have just signed up to support you on Patreon, but also uh, to send you The Last Resort. Oh. Thank you for sending us The Last Resort, the Andre Brower renegade submarine drama from a few years ago via your Amazon wishlist. Thank you, Kevin. Yes, we also have an Amazon wish list if you want to send us stuff that way. We are massively backlogged, but we are working our way through every donation. We'll, we'll do it. I mean, I'm serious. We have enough Amazon donations that it would take us more than a year to get through them all. So if you stick around with us until, uh, you know, your children graduate. Well, eventually, we'll, we're guaranteed <laughs> we'll, we'll get to get to, you, to we'll it. We'll get to it eventually. Seriously, it's rather uh, impressive. I've always been intrigued by the premise of that show and meant to catch up with it when I was on Netflix, but life happens. Original My original intent was to search for and send you Hack, the David Morse series, oh, also, yeah. also featuring Andrew Brower. Mm -hmm. Andre. Uh, pardon? Andre I said, Brower. I said Andre. I thought you said Andrew. Uh, Andre, excuse okay. me. Andre Brower, about an ex-cop who drives a cab and, quotes, quote, helps the, those that the police will not help. Yeah. Imagine my utter astonishment when I learned that the two series somehow made it into two seasons. Hack it is happens. not eligible. Yeah. Maybe there's a podcast out there about TV shows with corny premises that somehow worked. After listening to the Defenders of Dinatron City episode, I think you should consider a Patreon reward level where readers get to write in and throw silly superpowers at Whitney and have him come up with superhero names for them on the spot. <laughs> I'll start. <laughs> okay, oh, here God. we go. Okay. A robot with a toaster in the center of his chest. Well, you can't, I guess you can't just call him the toaster. Uh, Mr. Pop-Up. <laughs> the, the Scorcher. Ooh. He shoves bad guys into his chest nice. slot. Done. Uh, the ability to shoot confetti from your fingers. Um, Grab bag. Oh, well, that's just Rip Taylor. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just have a show about have a show about Rip Taylor. That's fine. Okay. Uh, the proportionate strength, speed, and agility of a dodo. Um, awkward man. <laughs> the drumstick. No. Commando dodo. Uh, oh, all right. I, I'll, I'll reluctantly give that one to you. <laughs> a woman who grows stronger the more Andy Warhol prints she eats. <laughs> you you call her art is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I like and, it. And, and she and she uh, has no respect for modern art. Mm. Uh, a vagrant with the ability to score the most impossible to get reservations at trendy restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> the the maitre death. I don't know. He's, that sounds more like a villain. You know, he's like yeah. setting up shop and commanding. RSVPI. RSVIP. Ooh, done. <laughs> Uh, in closing, keep up the good works. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you writing. Thank you so much for being our Patreon. You rock. What do we got? Uh, here's one from... Uh, Ooh, long oh, one. a long one from Adam. Okay. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, it's Sunday. My wife is out of town. And I've gone crazy. No, I didn't say that part. <laughs> and I'm ahead of schedule with my work, so I thought, it, why not write another letter to you guys? This time I'd like to talk about my favorite TV shows of all time, just for fun. I wonder if you have opinions on them. Would love to hear them if you do. Let's do it. The list in no chronological order. Let's do this in a Brutus-like fashion. <laughs> the Simpsons. Number one, The Simpsons. I grew up with The Simpsons, literally, because I was born just a few years before the show's premiere, so it has been with me my whole life. I remember watching it as a kid and laughing at one joke and then watching it as an adult and laughing 
laughing at completely different ones. Especially the early seasons, they held such a special place in my heart. Sure, newer seasons aren't the best, but the creators can still come up with some great ideas from time to time. In my opinion, the Iceland episode from a few years back is on the level where the, with the one where the Simpsons go to New York for the first time. Yeah, uh, I, I also grew up with the Simpsons. I was, I think, eight when it started yeah. becoming a proper series. It wasn't just a series of shorts on like the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, um, I was, it came out Christmas 89, I think was when it debuted. Oh, so I guess I was, it was seven then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the first season or so is a bit rocky nowadays, but from season like three mm. through season 10 or 11, there was no better show on that, TV. That's, that's, that's a pretty damn fine show. And I, 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 and don't, you know, I don't watch it much anymore. I'm, but, not, I'm yeah. also not one of those guys who says, ah, the Simpsons started to suck after a while. They actually went through kind of a low period, but they, they came back up again and then mm-hmm. they went down again. It's, it's, it's when the show's been on that long, well, it's going to cy- have... They cycle through writers. Ca- yeah, those writers... And troughs. Those writers run out of steam after a while. They bring in new writers. The show gets better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no- Simpsons is allowed to do that. <laughs> Most shows, they start to suck for a while. The network just cancels them. But Simpsons is a cash cow. They're never yeah, going to get rid of it if they can avoid it. <laughs> uh, number two, Batman the Animated Series. One of the best. Uh, well, not as good as Batman from 1966. Shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, man, I'm speechless. It's a true masterpiece of animation on every level. Visually, it's simply stunning. The music and voice acting are marvelous. Even the storytelling was usually so good. I'm a married man in my 30s with a PhD who doesn't like comics or comic book movies, but I'm still watching this series from time to time and discovering layers that were beyond my reach when I was a kid. Um, Batman the Animated Series is incredibly important to me. I just personally, <laughs> it was more than the Tim Burton movies, more mm. than the Adam West stuff, more even than Christopher Nolan's movies. That's my Batman. Okay. That's when I think about like, no, no, Kevin Conroy is the real Batman. <laughs> like, in my head, that's how I think he sounds. Mm. That's his status quo. Those are his villains. That's his art. Like, that's just perfect Batman. I, Even the lame episodes are fine. Like, I, it's great for beginning to end. I, I, I have nothing wrong with the show. I didn't watch it, uh, like, with any sort of regularity. I'd watch mm. it if it was on. Uh, I, it was hard to take Batman seriously when in the Batgirl episode... Where she called Batman, is like, you're not Commissioner Gordon. No, I'm Barbara Gordon. It's like, well, go away. And she says, no, don't go away. And she grabs him by the cape. He's like, I can't help you with your crime. Please let go of my cape. <laughs> was, <laughs> that was a joke. It was, it was kind of a cute moment. It was but, a yeah, joke. Right. It was a funny bit. <laughs> uh, number three, NYPD Blue. I never really uh, watched I was it. watching this series when I was 11 or so. Yeah. I distinctly remember it, run, it ran at 10 p.m. on Sunday, so I had to ask my parents for permission to stay up late, but they always agreed. With time, watching NYPD Blue became a family ritual for us. I love the realistic nature of the characters. They were all average looking at best and had their share of serious problems that needed to be dealt with. It might sound pretentious, but I think NYPD PD Blue gave me my first glance into adulthood. That's not pretentious. That's fine. That's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I just, I never watched it. I, yeah, I, it I never just sort of like a whole episode. It's just sort of off my radar as well. It's one yeah. of what I'll get to when I'm 70. Look, when I was, listen, when I was 10 years old, if you were my age, you watched Fox or you didn't watch TV. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it was weird. I watched all Fox and, you know, then I'd skip yeah. over to Channel 13 to watch Star Trek. You and that was it. You, you know. heard that someone else's parents watched the show if it was on CBS. That, like, that, that, oh, uh, like, that's uh, a grown up network. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what was the what was the other ER? Oh, uh, um, Chicago Hope. Chicago Hope. <laughs> I, you never knew anyone who watched the Chicago ER. Hope, but it was always like number 11 in the ratings. Like, who the fuck is watching Chicago Hope? And Chicago, Hope la- Chicago Hope lasted like 58 seasons or yeah, something. Yeah, still on the air. Uh, <laughs> it just changed it to other things. The Chicago <laughs> Precinct and Chicago Fire. Same show. <laughs> Same characters, even. Sure, why not? Uh, number four, Friends. Uh, yeah, it's purely a nostalgia thing. I grew up watching Friends. I learned myself... 
Uh, I learned my English by watching Friends. I always dreamt of having such friends, but I never had them. I see the complete series. I've seen the complete series at least five times. Wow! And I will watch it whenever it's on. At this point, it feels like a family meeting. Uh, Friends is a show that I remember when Friends came out. Everyone said it was a Seinfeld knockoff, and it kind of was. But I actually really admire Friends. I think it lost steam after a while. It was another one of the shows that lasted maybe a few seasons longer than it needed to. Mm. But for a while there, like seasons like two like through five, seasons yeah, like seasons time, like two yeah. through five, that was actually like a very well written show, mm-hmm. very consistently. The characters had a really good dynamic, and there's a couple episodes of that show that I just always remember being spectacularly funny. Okay, yeah, I uh, I had heard a lot about Friends. Here's my friend's experience. Mm-hmm. I had heard a lot about the show, but I knew nothing about it. I didn't know the name of the characters or even the premise. Mm-hmm. Just that it was kind of a, a soap opera ish show where a lot of people dated each other, and it was a sitcom. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew, and mm-hmm. it was all white people. Yeah, <laughs> very white. Yeah. And uh, one evening when I was waiting for my show, to, I think I was waiting for like sightings or some you know piece of crap show that I was really into. I was waiting for it to start and I was just sort of thumbing around and I found this sitcom and I didn't know what it was. And it was like the studio audience didn't really seem into it and there weren't really very many funny jokes and I didn't understand the relationships between the characters and some were dating maybe. And I, it just didn't register with me. And it wasn't until like several days after the fact that somebody pointed out to me that that was friends. And as a result of that experience, I was baffled by the whole phenomenon. It's like, that's the show, this mm-hmm. boring thing that I just couldn't wait to get through before sightings started. That's what the, the country is on fire about. I didn't understand Friends. It, I have since gone back and watched a few. I understand the show a little bit better yeah, now. Yeah, and a good dynamic. Uh, and, it, and if you watch it enough, you care enough about the characters that their little foibles mm-hmm. matter to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end a, a, the debate right here about whether or not Ross and Rachel were on a break. Let me explain something to you. <laughs> So Ross and Rachel, they're uh, finally dating. I'm, I'm going to go get some booze. Ross and Rachel were finally dating. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, they had a fight. And Rachel said, we're taking a break. And then Ross more or less immediately slept with someone else. And his argument was we were on a break. Mm. The issue is not whether or not you were on a break. The issue is whether or not you thought when the break was over, you'd still be together and your actions would matter. Mm. So I don't care if they were on a break. Ross is a fucking asshole. <laughs> and, and Rachel was right. Boom. Done. Okay. Resolved. We never have to talk about it again, right? Okay. All right. So Ross email us and, if you Ross disagree. And, Ross and the other one. <laughs> email us if you disagree. <laughs> cancel too soon at gmail.com. Tweet um, us at cancelcast. Let us know. Yeah, he, he has a little more here. I'm um, sure he does. Uh, <laughs> number five. My name is Earl. Mm. Quite a good show. Uh, I discovered it later in my life, but I wouldn't hesitate to call it one of my favorite shows ever. And it's such a unique one. I love the story, love the humor, love the characters. Randy is the best brother I never had. Mm. And I love the feel-good nature of the show. It actually makes you want to aspire to be a better human being. Uh-huh. Yes, that is true. Okay. Um, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Ah, one of my favorites. The only animated series that, in my opinion, can actually be better than the 1990s Batman. I was in my mid-twenties when I watched this, a Nickelodeon show. For the first time, but uh, nevertheless, it captivated me completely. At one point, I even dreamt of Avatar (laughs) in an Avatar dream. Uh, I was so invested in the characters that I was actually stressing out while watching the final episode. Oh, you don't want it to go. Mm, That was Uh, a great episode. The Iroh-Zuko relationship made me cry more than once. Oh my god, it was... Oh, yes. Yes. uh, The storytelling of Avatar is superb, and the universe is so immersive. Also, it's such a smart show that has much to tell us about history, politics, ethics, and religions. I just love it. I, I agree. I think it's actually it's literally one of the best shows ever made. Period. All right. Like top ten easily. I've seen a couple. They're <laughs> brilliant. I've, I've seen the movie. Yeah, and you're and you're. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's, that happened to you. Uh, number seven, Thirty Rock. 
Uh, quite possibly the funniest show I've ever seen. It introduces me to the genius of Tina Fey. Every episode had at least one laugh out loud moment. The writing was top notch, but not only when it came to jokes, but also the characters. And there were dozens of them. I loved every one, so it was such a pity when in later seasons the series became more and more focused on the main cast. On the other hand, who could complain about having more Jane Krakowski on the screen? Krakowski, excuse yeah. me. That woman is a comedic marvel. I agree. She is underrated. I love her too. She gets a lot of work, yeah. uh, and she gets uh, plenty of chances to show off her talent. I, I love... But I think she needs more recognition anyway. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm torn on 30 Rock, because there's a lot of things I love about 30 Rock, a lot of characters I love on 30 Rock. Mm. I don't think Tracy Morgan is particularly funny. There's something about his performances, his delivery. I've never he can seen be a him. little much to take. It's, I just don't like his his delivery. Just always seems a little kind of one note to me, and as a result, I just don't laugh that much when he's on screen. And I, so I got a little bored with Thirty Rock after a I, while. I think funnier than Tracy Morgan is John DiMaggio from Futurama doing his Tracy Morgan impersonation. Maybe he does a really great Tracy Morgan. Okay. Uh, and number eight, this is the last on his list, okay. uh, Avatar The Legend of Korra. I ah. guess it's the spinoff of The Last Airbender. Yeah. I heard so many people saying that this series was a letdown in comparison to the original Avatar that it took me a while to give it a chance, but I did, and I loved it. Sure, you can easily tell that the creators had no idea whether they would get to do one, two, three, or four seasons, and because of that, the story doesn't flow very well from one season to another. Also, the twist in the final episode came out of nowhere, yeah. but I still was heavily invested emotionally like a no-show in the last few years. So that's my top eight. Uh, I love some other shows like Breaking Bad and Rested Development, but these are the ones that had a real e- impact on my life. I'm glad I could share them with you. Oh, thank you for sharing um, them. And I and I love. I'm uh, oh, sorry. Good. Uh, he says uh, there's there's a little postscript here. Just one more thing. I'm still more, just one more thing. It's like Columbo. <laughs> just one more thing. Uh, I'm still mourning after the B Movies podcast was mm. d- definitely canceled too soon. I spent countless hours listening to you guys providing me a solid portion of both fun and food for brains. I'm currently working on a book, and I'll definitely add your names in the acknowledgements section. Oh wow, thank you. Oh, thank That's you very much. Kind. That's that's sweet, and I'm I'm sure what do you, I don't deserve that. Tell us, tell us what uh, you're writing. We're curious. Yeah. Anyway, I can't wait to hear you guys return stronger and smarter than ever before. All the best. Thank you. Uh, real fast regarding Legend of Korra, uh, I agree. The one real downfall of that show is that it doesn't feel as like tidily constructed mm-hmm. as, uh, and I don't say tightly, tidily. Mm-hmm. It's like stray plot threads don't get set up as well as they should have. But when Legend of Korra is great, it's as good, if not better, than uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. It's mm-hmm. a very worthy successor. And yeah, I wouldn't call it a twist at the end, but there's a major character development in like the last scene that, yeah, I wouldn't say it comes out of nowhere, but it definitely could have been set up better. Nah. <laughs> uh, but uh, regardless, yeah, it's, does, does it's it also kind of great. repurpose the whole show. Is it no, one of those sorts it, of like, I, like changes I wanna, the premise or I, something? I, everyone was talking about it right after it came out, and then it kind of quieted down. So I don't want to ruin it. Just uh, we we find out uh, something about two characters we didn't know before, and it doesn't mm-hmm. change anything that came before, but it will impact they, however the story continues after that. Turns out they both carry the sacred moonstones of Gla. I, I don't know that show. At all. I don't know what Stop I'm talking making about. Bullshit up. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, is that is that our show? We can do that. That'll, that'll be it for our show. Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for writing in. Thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um, tell your friends. <laughs> tell, uh, if you like the show, tell your friends. If you hate yeah. the show, tell your enemies. Uh, there you go. Uh, and uh, uh, again, you can listen to me on This Is Rad uh, this week talking about all the Step Up movies. Uh, I talk very fast. 
<laughs> and because uh, I love those movies. Uh, coming up in a couple weeks, I should be appearing on a podcast of my own. Uh, That's right. I was invited on to The Canon with Amy Nicholson. And uh, we, cool. we have an episode coming up where we'll be talking about The Tingler nice. and, uh, for an hour and a half. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, also uh, this this uh, month's Cancel Tuesday Monthly movie. It was supposed to come out last weekend. It'll come out this weekend. We got a little bit behind. It will be uh, Gulliver's Travels, the TV miniseries. But again, if you're a Patreon subscriber, go to our Patreon page. Uh, sometime Thursday or Friday, we will have our new poll up, and you can vote for which Stephen King TV miniseries you want us to review in the month of October. And after we review Sweet Vicious next week, month of October is dedicated to all horror stuff, and we've got some really neat stuff to... to we got some doozers. We got some doozers, some stuff you've probably heard of, and some stuff you probably never knew existed, and we're very excited to share it with you. I, I found one at a horror convention. <laughs> you sure did. Um, I, you introduced me to one that, like, I don't think... It, everyone knows the title, and no one ever knew it was a show. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, before. It was actually like, a show. But, but we'll hold off. Oh, we'll hold off. A little bit of a surprise Ooh, for you. Teaser sneezers. <laughs> I'm not going to start saying that. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> that is, I hope that's not your new catchphrase. No, we're done. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. And that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season.